What's the worst hobby mistake or tragedy that could happen, such as spilling null oil? Uh, well, one, th- one thing finger. I have recurring nightmares about is uh, when I go into the garage to varnish some of my models. Um, I worry, you know, a little bit about the, the frosting that happens for the varnish, you know, that, that everybody mm-hmm. has had that happen once or twice. Um, but what truly keeps me up at night is accidentally gra- grabbing a can of primer and taking models that were ready to be done and varnished and just spraying black or white all over them. Oh. Uh, I have not actually had that happen, um, but I just, I have like a, this, you know, just freak out instinct that to triple check the right can every time I go, I go do that. You know, I did do that to a commission paint job rather recently. It was awesome. Yep. <laughs> I can, I can, I can see how it could happen. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I'm terrified of it happening to me. So nothing bad has happened yet. But my cat likes to break into my room, and she's very selective of which models she wants to play with for the night. She'll only take out one, and it'll be somewhere in the house. Uh, and uh, that's the nightmare, that one day, you know, one of my real important ones are gone. Oh, God damn it. Well, hopefully you have them in a nice case. Uh, no, no. That would be... <laughs> That'd be wishful thinking. Well, the stuff the stuff that you're actively hobbying, too, you know, it's, it's hard to protect those from cats. I, I oh, Thankfully, yeah. none of mine seem to take interest in the models. And in fact, they're pretty delicate with gingerly stepping over them. Pretty great. The, the bigger yeah, she doesn't problem, like bat it around or anything. She just picks it up and will put it somewhere. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Why? <laughs> I uh, you see a cultist in the middle of my kitchen one day. Like, huh? Which, huh? which cat? I'm very familiar with your cats. Uh, Susie. Mmm. Yeah, I don't remember which one that is. <laughs> <laughs> so much for being familiar. <laughs> I mean, I know what they look like. I just oh don't my remember. God. Dude, it's the one that's your cat. Oh, that one. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You that's are super familiar with it. I am super familiar. Um, gee, what is yours? Your worst hobby nightmare? Uh, you know what it is? It's dropping miniatures. Oh yeah, like just oh, that's just not just, that just, just yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, it was way worse when me- when when, when uh, was models were metal, and I've gotten murdered enough about talking about how awesome metal models are. So I'll metal just models move on. can oh, die. I am right there with you. Metal models are great. I was part They're of the original like formation crowd with the giant metal robots, and it was it was awesome. And if you dropped it under your foot, you'd actually like bruise and bleed. It was sick. Yep, it was super sick. I have the I had the Metal Tech Marine when it came out. I want to say it was fifth edition, and you just got like the big old kit with the with the servitors. And I remember dropping it and just like all the arms like getting totally fucked everywhere, <laughs> and nothing I could do about it. You know, as a kid, I didn't know how to repair that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, just glue, but like that's not going to save it. I mean, obviously, so. nothing is as good as fine cast, but you know. We, we <laughs> oh my god, this guy—he's trying to start something. <laughs> <laughs> Just like starting no, the squad. Yeah, I'm not going to get a good report card from this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Will you get so, graded? <laughs> so for me, um, I use a heat gun for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and one time it slipped off my bench when I wasn't paying attention. I had my earbuds in and it, uh, the, it caught by the cord and it turned itself on and it was just spraying heat at my wooden table and almost caught on fire. 
uh, went by because I left the room and I came back. And um, for me, it would be uh, accidentally catching your house on fire using hobby supplies, (laughs) whether that's enamel paints and then having a heater on because you live on the East Coast and it's hot or it's cold or something. You're trying to warm up your room, like any kind of like fumes or, you know, there's a lot of different ways that it could happen. Just I was going to say, I mean, you live in the most flammable place on Earth. Like, yeah, there's wildfires all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, setting my house on fire would probably be my worst nightmare. <laughs> for, for, for hobby related stuff. Yeah, yeah. Especially considered that uh, I use like lasers for a living, you know. You do. Well, another advantage for meta models, they'll, uh, they'll probably survive the fire. They would. He's probably right, honestly. <laughs> the only models to survive <laughs> yep. is the old Dreadnought. Nice. That, that <laughs> big one. rock. Mm-hmm. Those, those nah. are good times. God God old one foot turned into old one leg because my son ripped off his leg somehow. Oh, yeah. so it's gone now too? Well, I have it. It's just I have to I have to pin it. That's impressive because the legs are, are one piece. Yeah. On I know. That. So that, that's actually <laughs> really <laughs> impressive. He must have yeah. been throwing that thing. <laughs> I mean he is a he's a strong he's a strong little man, we'll say. Clearly. Yeah. So uh, today we have Chris Bakke and Orion, our two two wonderful guests that we have had on this podcast quite a few times. Quite a few. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I think the last time you guys were on, we talked about Felgor and Colts. Is that what it was? Yeah. I don't don't remember. Felgor? I don't know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sure they'll come back stronger and better than ever because GW likes <clears throat> likes uh, melee metas. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so today uh, we have uh, Chris, Orion, G, myself on. We're all going to talk about a couple things. We're going to do uh, an introduction to Kill Team. Um, so if you have friends, family members, you guys can point them towards this episode. We can talk about like some of the key things that uh, people should know or they shouldn't know um, all for starting their kill team journey. At the end of this section, we will talk about some pro tips. So and then we'll do something fun and wacky at the end. That should be a lot of fun. Um, so uh, is, is there anything that you guys want to shout out before we start this bad boy up? Yeah, I want to shout out something real quick. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm part of the uh, Greater Kill Team uh, community up here in Northern California, and we've got a uh, awesome tournament coming up on Saturday 9th and uh, 10th of December. Uh, would love for anybody who's up in uh, California or even in the, the general area to come out and come by. And uh, I think there's a, there's a link that we may be able to share after the episode here of that event. Just search Mary Mayhem. Um, we also have Discord, uh, so definitely uh, looks up, uh, checks out. I'm on a bunch of the other Discords as well, so just hit me up if you're interested. I look forward to that. Yeah, me and G are going to be attending that uh, that event, and probably Saya as well. It's going to be a grot, I mean a great time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Ryan? Anything you want to shout out? Yeah, I want to get myself in a little bit of trouble here. Oh. Uh, so in case you don't want to go to the stinky West Coast... Um, also in December, we're going to have Plasma Spam's Christmas 2. Uh, this is a very unique tournament uh, that hosts Edible Terrain, 
Whoa! I, I heard about this last year. It was really cool. I was very jealous. Yep, it's going to be a little more narrative, so it's more for fun than comp- competition. You know, as the spirit of Christmas is, but you know, terrain's going to be eaten. People are going to be excited. Everything's house baked by myself and my girlfriend, um, and it's going to be one merry time. Awesome. Is it like made out of gingerbread? And so mm-hmm. everyone knows Ooh. Ryan and his wife are both professional chefs. And I can attest to how good their food is. So um, it's quite good. Uh, for squad games uh, and Lester's Workshop, I'd like to give a shout out to the very first and possibly only Black Friday sale that will be going on starting today, Tuesday, until November 25th. The day after Thanksgiving, I believe. Um, yeah, we're going to be doing a huge sale on a lot of different things. Um, uh, the main thing that I'm that I'm promoting is that we are doing a pre-sale for some competitive mats that I personally designed, um, and we're getting made. And these are going to be shipped to us. They're being made, and. Um, we're going to be giving them out at LVO and also uh, to anyone who's going to be purchasing them. We can ship them to you or you can pick them up at LVO. And they're both a repentant space outpost uh, mat and a necromachina mat. Both of those mats have all the deployment zones, center lines and central control all clearly labeled and identified. Um, so it should make setting up terrain like a breeze. Uh, we are also are having to go with that. The repentant outpost terrain is going to be $75 off what it normally is. Uh, and so is the necro machina terrain. So it's going to go from 225 all the way down to 150. Repentant outpost is going to go down to just a mere hundred bucks. Uh, on top of that, we have token sets that are going to be um, also on sale, 50% off that match those colors. Uh, and then, uh, also for the very first time, we're going to be putting the hats that we always have at events, uh, the squad games, hats, squad games, dice, and a kill team starter set from squad games all on, uh, lustersworkshop.com too. So feel free to check it out, help support us, help support, uh, the podcast and, um, also get some really cool gear for kill team. So, yeah. Yeah. I second that. I third it. Fourth. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Unanimous consent. (laughs) Uh, Links will be in the description. So feel free to look into that and uh, pick up some cool stuff or go to an awesome event coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, first things first on the schedule today, guys, is what is the very first thing that people should be intro to to kill team so if you just saw it on the shelves what's the first thing the most important thing that they should be getting into in order to grab their attention i mean one of the one of the first things that i lead with is is just the price right it's simply you know a lot of people who are looking at kill team are familiar with 40k they usually sort of wander over in the area um and being able to say like, hey, you know, not only can you play with the models you already have, if you want to pick up a new, you know, uh, team and kill team, you're just buying one box, right? Yes, those of us who are very intimately familiar with the game know that sometimes you need more than one box. But the general rule is that you can get into it with just one box. And that 
that sort of low cost of entry, uh, that low barrier to entry, um, is just really, really great for bringing new people into the game. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you have anything? I think something that's uh, very important getting into this game is it doesn't really play like any game I ever knew. And there's a lot of words, a lot of vocabulary, a lot of weird stuff, um, a lot of things you don't normally use. Like when I first got into this game, um, like rulers, um, lasers, all that stuff. I'm very excited that I have them all now, but it was a very weird thing to buy like almost a lot of hardware to play a game with toy soldiers. Um, and you don't necessarily need all of that, but it's very helpful to get into this game using stuff like laser pointers for line of sight and, you know, the rulers instead of just like the weird bendy ones. Um, there's a lot of extra entry stuff, um, that you might not know about. You should look up first before getting into it. Hmm. That's a good point. How about you, G? Uh, this one's going to be less about buying stuff, but more of explaining what game it is. So, you know, you might be looking around seeing 40K Age of Sigmar. Perhaps you're in uh, Monrovia, so you're going to see some Lord of the Rings. I think they had a bunch of stuff there. And maybe you're intimidated by it. So, like like Chris said, this is a easier way to get into the game. But also, it's a great way to meet like-minded individuals who don't necessarily want to jump in full full front to get into these big armies, but want to just start with something small. So you can meet the community around you, and it's a little easier to get together because the time commitment isn't nearly as uh, big as you need to have it for full-scale war games. Skirmish games are very nice for this reason. So explaining that to new people is good too. Absolutely. For me, my first thing that I usually tell people is, Usually they're already interested in it for various reasons from friends, family members. Maybe they saw it on the shelf. They're saying, what's that? For me, if you're interested in starting Kill Team, I would say um, look at every single army that is currently available and choose the one you think looks the coolest. Because there's no worse thing than choosing an army that you're not interested in because they're competitive or they're good, but you hate the look and you hate the style of, because you have to realize that you're going to be staring at these models. You have to paint them. You have to put them together. And, you know, you should do that with something that you think looks cool. It doesn't matter what the rules are. If they end up not being your kind of flavor or play style, once you get into the game and you can kind of reassess choose a different team and you know the great thing is that kill team isn't a huge price point right so uh compared to other tabletop games so um that would be my my first tip for anyone new getting into the game um all valid i yeah. would i would sort of yes and that i i do think there are some important questions to ask up front like ask just the aesthetics and and when i have people getting into the game i tend to ask a few questions like do you want to have a few uh, really, really strong people or do you want to have a horde? Um, do you like, you know, a lot of close quarters fighting or do you like long range? So I'll ask those sort of like yeah. central questions just so that somebody's going to, you know, sort of like, you know, vibe with the the end result they're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but but definitely like overall, like the, the look and feel of the team are, are definitely uh, super. Absolutely. Yeah, I was mostly interested in Terminators and the Avatar of Kane and Drazar when I first started looking at miniatures back in uh, the year 2000. And I was like, ooh, what do I want to get most? And I was like, I want the Avatar the most. And so I went with Eldar. Good choice. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was, uh, I actually, my first time in a hobby store, um, I was immediately drawn to the Viper jet bike. I thought that thing was the coolest freaking thing ever. Um, yeah, this was like, I think 1999 or 2000. And the store owner uh, persuaded me to buy Space Marines instead. Mm. Um, and I, to this day, wonder, wonder what would have happened if I'd gone with my original uh, pick belt. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> kind of adding on to what you both said earlier with picking an army. I think one of the things that's important, because it was important for me, uh, was picking an army that you feel comfortable painting. Um, mm-hmm. When I first picked an army, I picked something that just looked super cool. The box art was so fun. Like, I picked the Gene Steeler Cult um, for my first entry to kill team. And they have a lot of little bits. Um, and it's not exactly the easiest team to start painting compared to a Space Marine, which is almost like a big blank canvas. Yeah. Um, and for someone who had never painted anything before, I got so frustrated um, trying to paint my very first model. <laughs> uh, his name is Barney, and he's literally just a mass of orange and yellow because uh, I didn't thin my paints. Um, I didn't do anything that I was supposed to because I didn't know. Um, so I would paint something that you're comfortable messing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your that's first great. paint job, yeah, your first paint job is probably not going to be great. And that's okay because once you learn how to paint, you can rebuy the team and paint them super well or paint strip them um, and then repaint them. So for me, I've always kept my first paint jobs that I've ever done. You know, every time I've gotten better, I kind of kept like one singular guardian, you know, that represents they're all they're all converted into Batmans. But, you know, that's I've seen them. I've course. seen those. Yeah. Yeah. Guardian Batman. <laughs> um, so. Uh, for the next, the next question for everyone is what is the most important rule or most important understanding for, um, for this? And we'll go through each person. So let's go first. I'll, uh, I'll go first. And one of the things that, um, I, I feel like I run into a lot of people who haven't had something or haven't had this explained to them in a really concise way. Um, and it's fantastic on open doors mm. um and uh, the way i explain it that seems to really resonate with people is when you're on the tall thing you can see over the short things right and like just like that and that solves all the questions around concealed behind heavy cover behind light cover i don't use the term that's light and super heavy. good I, that's actually I use the term tall and short and people totally just clicks oh i'm see- i'm on a tall thing i see over the short and that is like the number one thing i do with new players to help with the with that confusion you know, I kind of wish GW would change all of the rules to tall and short now because it would be way more easy to understand. Doesn't yeah, sound if, as cool. If, if you look at the way that they describe and class all the terrain types, that's always the system. If it's if yeah. it's roughly two inches tall or higher, it's it's heavy, and if it's roughly shorter than that, it's light. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's fascinating. And then sometimes there's short terrain on top of on top of tall terrain. You know? Yep. Makes sense. Easy. Yeah. Cool. I'm a simple man. Yeah. I like it. How about you, Ryan? Uh, There's two things typically um, when I, that you need to just kind of like know. Uh, For me, it's one, at least have an idea of what your army can do. Like if you did bring the army and you're playing somebody, if somebody's teaching you, that's obviously different. But, you know, if you just brought an army, you should. And you're like, hey, I bought this. Let's play. Like, have at least look at the rules. Um, Because you can be like, you can kind of reference things and start clicking them. I tend to relate things 
in my brain, like I'll have one section and then I'll see it in action on the board and it connects. Um, the other thing would be terrain, know how to set up a board. I would consider looking up what is a kill team board? What should it look like? More often than not, I see a lot of new players. Um, they're two new players. They bought a starter box and they want to get started. And you look at the board and it's playing at bowling ball. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, the Marines destroyed my melee team. This game sucks. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, because you just kind of did a suicide charge at them and that was the game. Mm-hmm. So I would always recommend trying to figure out how the maps should look or at least a decent idea. That way you don't have a terrible first experience of there's, the one-sidedness. There's a lot of good uh, map makers out there, right? We have Turning Point Tactics. We have the Into the Dark mats. We have ours. And then um, I don't think anyone... Do you guys know of anyone else that publishes maps? Mm. Um, I, I've heard um, of, of a... I forget the name of the site, but they, they publish really cool into the dark maps. Some of them are asymmetrical. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Lester's workshop. Oh again. yeah. 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 That's the one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for anyone using GW terrain, I'd look at turning point tactics. Anyone using into the dark, I'd look at GW's competitive crit ops, uh, any of kind of our terrain, or if you want to even style, Chalneth or stuff like that. You can look at how we kind of where we put buildings for our stuff. If you don't own any of, own any of my terrain, and you can kind of stylize from that too. Uh, there's always Hobby Hero too. You can make it yourself. Love yep. making um, stuff out of styrofoam, and you know, you know, whole, all good stuff to do. Hobby Hero is is sometimes the way to go. Um, just building it up. For me, I'd say that. Um, some of the most important rules to understand up front is understanding uh, just the data cards themselves. So like, what does each symbol mean on the data card? So like, what is a circle, right? That's two inches, right? It's that, that's probably some of the hardest things to sometimes grasp. Why does it say this model can move three circles and not six inches? We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, why does this, you know, what does the save mean? You know, what is, what does uh, hit mean? We'll get to some of these as well. So like understanding your data card is super, super important. In fact, in my opinion, it's more important to understand what your models do than what the main rules of the game are, right? Because the main rules- You're about to tee off my very hot take. Oh, Um, and secondly, I would say um, understanding what conceal and engage is. And what those tokens do to your operatives. Um, so whenever a model, whenever you place a model on the battlefield, you can either have a concealed model or an engaged model. And so if we, if if anyone's played Gears of War, that's kind of like engaged as you're running around, standing up over stuff, and shooting people. Uh, conceal is you're hiding behind the buildings. It's and you don't shoot. Right. Some models can shoot, but that's very. They, they, that's again understanding your own data sheet um concealed models are technically hiding engaged or technically open and a lot easier to shoot so you know if, if you think about it gears of war is probably the best way to explain this game because everything you do in <laughs> gears of war is exactly how this game functions because when you're on top of advantage you can see the dudes are trying to hide uh-huh and you can easily shoot them but if or you're you not can... near the edge of the vantage you can't see them but yep. they can see you. Yep. 
So it, like you just play Gears of War and you'll understand how this is supposed to look like. Traversing <laughs> over the barricades, you know, you you run up to it, you hide behind it, then you jump over it and you're like, oh, run up and stab something. You know, it's yeah, good stuff. It, it yeah. works. It works. Not accurately. to mention chainswords. Yeah. 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 So did we just discover like where Games Workshop came up with Kill Team? They, they just played, played a lot of Gears, Gears of War. War. In 2000 and, like, <laughs> what was it? 2006, 2007? Yeah, I thought it was XCOM that they uh, kind of took a lot from. Never played. Well, I, could, I could see that too, but like, but Gears of War feels more action packed, you know? You're moving nonstop. But XCOM is probably the most accurate because turn based. Mm-hmm. How about you, G? Do you have anything like super basic? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, learn that you cannot traverse with a dash. Mm, yes. And understanding why that happens. Well, what is traverse, Giacomo? So in order to traverse, you have to use two inches of your movement or circle. And that's yeah. usually to go over something that's short yes. slash light. Yes, mm-hmm. a little short wall to jump over and then move over, right? Mm-hmm. So you would spend two inches. So you have a total of three inches in a dash. So you'd spend two inches of your dash to go up and then one to go over. But one inch will not clear the the piece of terrain that you're supposed to clear so you can't clear it with a dash because you can never end your movement can never end while on something that is traversable or something that's short correct uh, that that actually uh that's a good segue into another thing just another good yes. pro, uh, new player tip is that uh-huh. just fundamentally not understanding traversing um and treating it like a teleport so this is this is something that i constantly remind new players when you're traversing a barricade, you're not teleporting from one end to the other and just, you know, spending two inches. You're simply taking two inches off as the crow flies. That's, that's it's how like it's a tax. It. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. tax because a lot of times people treat it, you know, basically like a scramble. Yeah, you can also traverse sideways. You don't have to just go straight over. You can actually traverse along the length of something and then pop over on the other side. This is true. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just minusing two. Yeah, now, before we moved on to what's the least important thing, Chris, you said that you had a hot take. Do you want to say what that hot take is, or we want yeah, to wait till so, later? Yeah, well, so so it is for the least important thing. Um, oh, fantastic! So, um, <laughs> my least important thing is actually reading the rules. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> and specifically, I've never read the rule book, and, and I'm one of the biggest the core <laughs> rules is, is what I refer to because yeah. because I, I know that that Orion was talking earlier about being familiar with your own operatives and data cards, and I I do get that, and and I agree. Um, when I bring new players in the game, I do not have them read any of the core rules. The first two games we play, I verbally explain how things work. I'm describing them. I'm using sort of very simple language. And after the first few games, then I'm like, all right, now go read the core rules. Um, and I find that the sort of the uptake and the ability to ingest those rules is a lot greater than just trying to throw somebody into the core rules fresh and get a sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because they don't know what, what they're referring to when they're reading it. They're like, what does that kind of mean? It's, yep. it's yeah. more of a theory. It's not quite a, a practice yet. What is light? What is traverse? What is heavy? Well, while you're playing the game, you'll understand a little bit more. Visual learners, I definitely suggest to read the rule book. Anyone who's a tactile learner, definitely play the game beforehand. Anyone who's auditory should listen to this podcast because we'll teach you. all right yeah i'll i'll tack on to chris i'll i'll jump in here and then uh i have actually never sat down and read the main rule book 
front to back. Really? Really. And really? I am, I, yeah. And I am one of the, uh, probably top three TOs in the United States, if not top five in the world, me, G and Saya as a group, right? We probably run some of the largest tournaments. Now I have read every single rule, but I have not read them in order. When I was first learning how to play the game, I never opened the rule book. I just had someone teach me and then I just played and I just played and played and played. And I learned through experience because I don't learn a lot from reading. In fact, reading puts me to sleep. And I'm sure there's other people out there uh, like that. I listen to audio books on tape. I'm weird. Uh, real quick, I'm going to stop the recording and start it again because there might have been an error in case we lose anything. One sec. Sure. Let me hit stop. Now, I have a really good grasp on the rules themselves, right? Like, I've read every single rule in the rule book multiple times. Uh, a lot of times, I'll reread them when certain rules come up or, like, justifying certain reasons. So. For me, I, I, I despise having to read. So what I typically do is I only read it when I have to. Um, got me to hear. So if I can do it, you can do it too. You don't have to read the rules, but you probably should. Um, <laughs> Hard counter. I read that rule book after playing the first game. Yeah, yeah, I read it right. before playing the first game. Dang. That's, that is fair. That is fair. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever read the core rulebook front to back either. Uh, <laughs> a lot of how I learned uh, the rules for Kill Team was I actually went on some of the bigger Kill Team discords. I went to the rules debates channels, and I would just read the rules debates. And that's actually a big a way of how I picked up a lot of the fun, intricate nuance of a lot of the interactions. Uh, 10 oh. out of 10 would, would uh, recommend watching angry dis discord debates again. Right. <laughs> Sometimes they get a little too hot and spicy. Oh, it, it's me. great as an it's great as a bystander. <laughs> we need more flame wars. Join the Squad Games Discord. We'll have some flame wars there if you want. The Squad Games one tends to be pretty peaceful. Yeah, we're, we're pretty peaceful. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, I, I actually had somebody come reach out to me recently and say like, "Hey, are there any controversial rules that you would like to see FAQ'd?" Right, and um. The low and short answer is no, uh, because typically any of these ones that should be FAQ'd, I typically talk to people and then I come up with a ruling for how they work at events. And typically that's how it works. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting to think about the rules on more of a meta level, but that's more for an advanced podcast. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep it a, we'll keep it a beginner friendly here. Uh, what about you two? Yeah, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I think the least important thing is playing to win uh, your first game. Mm. Uh, I've taught so many people uh, who came from 40K. You know, they're very versed in 40K lore. They've played thousands of, you know, games with all their miniatures. And they're out here not to look like a fool. Uh, so they're trying to, like, min-max and analyze everything that's good. But they have no idea. Uh, like, a melt is different in this game than it was in 40K, for, for example. Um, and you should just be playing to learn everything you can. Try to make everything go off as possible, whether it's good or a bad choice. You just want to see what it does. You know, if, if you're going to fire a bolter into the tankiest thing in the world, you know, see what the bolter does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about just like, oh, this wasn't the optimal play, so I'm not going to do this. I won't use this rule. Just, just do it. See what happens. You'll learn better. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great tip. Don't, um, don't put that pressure on you, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's actually where mine is going to go is the least important thing is thinking about winning. 
um uh what was his what was that one guy's name is that guy in history uh Mus- musashi 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 was. yes yes um so one of his philosophy was to focus not on the outcome of something you're doing but to focus on the moment and something else because then you might trip up whether it's overconfidence fear um uh being o- uh, overconfident too uh, did i say that already i might have said that already um, you talking yeah. about Art of War? Is that what's going on? No, no, that's Sun Tzu. But um, <laughs> the the concept of thinking like, you know, when you're playing the game, like I'm playing to win, you know, so you're always thinking like, I have to do this move. I have to do it because it's going to make me win. But you're more likely going to choke because now you're thinking too much. Think in the moment and the actions that you have to do. Um, so so the least important thing for for people, for all players of all levels, I should say, is thinking about the win like that's the only thing on your mind because then you might for you might miss something that's right in front of you when you got to do it mm-hmm. so you know don't worry about winning it's fine it's a game man yeah we're just playing with toy soldiers we're just playing with toy soldiers yeah yeah your very first game of toy soldiers might we had yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the so, sweat comes later <laughs> <laughs> and the salt so mm-hmm. um who wants to answer this question how does movement work in kill team Ooh. Mm, um, I can answer it. It seems okay. pretty tame. Um, so movement is now we're we talking about the move action in specific, or are we talking about all kinds of movement? So either either however you see fit to answer for a beginner player, like if I was brand new. How does how does movement work, Orion? So I would go over that there's three basic ways you can move around the board. These are how you your model gets from point A to point B or from Model A to Model B. Um, these are all wrapped up in actions. Everything costs a point to do, um, typically, for the universal actions. Everyone has them. And everybody has a move characteristic that's on their data card. I think it's labeled with an M. Um, and it's got a funky little symbol next to it. Everything does. Um, <laughs> and it's not... It takes some time to getting used to the symbol uh, graph, but I'll let somebody else explain that. But basically, whatever the symbol is dictates how many inches you can move with the number next to it. Almost every model, most models in the game, have a six-inch base move, which means for one action point, you spend it on your guy, he can move in a direction six inches. Now, it doesn't mean he ignores everything in his way. He doesn't just smack it out of the way. Uh, Unless you have the fly keyword, that's where you can move anywhere on the board, pretty much do whatever you want. Um, Beyond that, if you just want to move a little bit, or you need some extra movement, you have a dash, which we've talked about earlier. Uh, this is a much smaller move, but this is important because you cannot duplicate actions. So you can't move, move, move if you have three APL. Uh, the dash just gets you that little extra edge into cover or into some other spot you want to get to. It's only a three inch move. Um, so when you see that, it is important because you can't just fly across the board with as many APL as you have. The third option you have for movement I guess technically there's a fourth, but it's a little more complicated, would be charging and falling back. Uh, This is how melee combat works, and that'll go into, we'll go into that later. Uh, But this is another way of how to get model A directly to an opponent's model. Uh, Because everybody has a little bubble around them that you can't move through. Uh, It's just an invisible little one-inch bubble. The charge breaks that. Also, the fallback breaks that, which allows you to move into that zone. Um, And essentially, that is how your movement works. The charge just gives you an addition of you can move into models and you get plus two to your movement. 
uh, unless you have some rules that say you get more or less. It always adds two. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't. I mean, yeah, I don't think natively. One, uh, one other really uh, important thing to remember um, as somebody new to the game is that for uh, moves and dashes, you can be hiding or active, you know, see or engage, whatever you want to call those. Uh, it doesn't matter which one you are, right? So it's, if you're, you know, moving out and, out and around um, between cover to hide, you know, you can move dash for that. Um, and also if you're running out to set yourself up for, a, for some shooting, you can do it on engage too. All good. However, with the charge, you have to be unengaged to do it, which means that after you charge, uh, you know, potentially if you kill your victim, awesome. But now you might be standing out in the middle of an open field um, and everybody knows where you are. You just made a bunch of noise and you could get retaliated against. So that's mm-hmm. something yeah, um, <clears throat> I'd also add to the movement is to make sure to reiterate that it's all in one inch increments. And whenever you're moving in one inch increments, you got to move around the terrain and make sure your base doesn't clip the terrain because the terrain still exists. So if you've ever played D&D, it's much like playing on a D&D mat and the grid is invisible, right? <clears throat> so when you're moving by one inch by one inch, yeah, that's what I would. That would be my addition. I think you guys nailed it. I don't really have anything else to add to movement other than uh, remember, if you're using the tools, when you start measuring from the front, the front will end right where the tool ends. You will not yes. be in front of the tool. You will Correct. not be in front of the tool. Because I see that happen. That's a whole extra inch that you're mm-hmm. moving. Or more. Or more. Depend- yeah. Yeah. So uh, so watch out this for that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is an X-wing. You're right. So uh, does anyone want to explain how shooting works? Sure. I'll go ahead. Uh, okay. So shooting. Uh, so there's sort of there's two steps to shooting in in general. Um, shooting is another action, um, like we talked about, and it's typically going to be one single action point. Um, I don't think we've ever clarified this, but but most models in the game, or or what the game calls operatives, have two actions, right? So they can do two things uh, when you decide to act. Them. Uh, some elite models, you know, space marines, things like that, they have three actions, right? So they're a little more flexible. They can do a little more stuff. Uh, and doubling up again, uh, what Orion talked about, you cannot normally repeat actions. Uh, so one of the actions you can do is shoot action. There's going to be two steps to this. Uh, the first is selecting your target, and the second is actually resolving the, the shot itself. When you decide to shoot, it's really important for you to actually select the target, which is going to involve uh, basically drawing a line on a part of the base of the shooter um, to ch- and sort of making a cone into the target to check for things like if there's big pieces of walls in the way, so the shot might be obscured, so you can't take it. Or if your opponent is hiding behind cover, you also can't take the shot. Um, and if they're, you know, sort of shooting over the cover, going back to our Gears of War analogy, if they're, they're shooting over the cover, um, they're going to get a little protection, but you can still shoot. So once you've determined you have a valid target, then you go into the second phase of the shoot, which is actually where you start throwing dice, the fun part. Typically, when you shoot, you're going to roll around four dice, although sometimes it could be a little bit more. And you're rolling dice and comparing it against the ballistic skill characteristic of the weapon you're choosing to shoot. Uh, most models are going to be hitting on threes or hitting on four. It means you're going to find all the dice that are a three or higher or four or higher and counting up the ones that make it and discarding the ones that don't. Uh, the special thing to remember here is that sixes are going to be your critical hits, right? So those are stronger hits. They're going to be harder for your opponent to block, which I'll talk about in a second. 
and uh, they're going to typically do more damage or maybe have some other fun special effect. And you'll check the data card to see what other effects the, the critical might have. Once you figure out how many total successes you have, uh, including your crits, uh, then the defender goes on to start, try to block your attacks, right? So, so you've got these hits and crits. Now your opponent's trying to stop from doing damage. Uh, when uh, the defender, your opponent, will then take three dice. Uh, sometimes it could be less, but typically it's going to be three dice. And they're going to roll that for, uh, with their save characteristic to determine how many successful saves and critical saves they have. Uh, once they've determined their final set of saves and critical saves, you're going to compare dice. Uh, and saves can block a regular hit. Critical saves can block a critical hit. And you can also combine two regular saves to block a critical hit as well. After all that's said and done, so your opponent's trying to basically knock out however many hits they can. Once that's all said and done, if you're left with any hits and critical hits on the table, at that point, you're just dealing the damage. So you're going to look at the damage uh, of the weapon, which is normally, uh, which is denoted by a number slash another number. So for example, a bolter would be three slash four, which indicates that a bolter's regular damage is three, critical damage is four, and you'll just apply that damage straight to the wound's characteristic of the defender, um, which might be enough to kill and that's a basic shoot action. Anything I glossed over or I could explain better. Sometimes there's special rules when you shoot, which you can cover as you play the game. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Uh, lots of really fun special rules which you can go into. Uh, yeah. For sure. So I uh, another thing that I'd like to say is that shooting is typically, unless if your gun gives you a range restriction. So sometimes next to the gun, it'll it have like a, a red a red pentagon, which means six inches. Um, most guns can fire infinitely, which is 29 inches <clears throat> is the furthest one can shoot, right? Because the game board is 30 by 22. So most guns do not have a range restriction, unlike any other games. If I could also say that I'll make a comparison for the dice when the dice are lined up after both players have rolled it's much like magic the gathering if anyone's played magic the gathering you that the attacking player would take a dice and choose whether to uh would just do damage to the player and then the defending player um no i have that wrong don't i yes yes, yes. that's for that's for melee i apologize um so the defending player gets to block everything and then they'd get to um, to then uh, use the remaining dice to all throw through the attack pool. So melee <laughs> is a little bit different. Uh, we'll, we'll do that now. I apologize. Um, commonly misunderstood. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. I, I, to going back to Gears of War and mentioning chain swords or in this... Uh, man, what was the gun called? I can't remember what that gun was called in the game the Ripper anymore. Chainsaw? Something like that. And it had the chainsaw bit at the end, which some scientist was like, yeah, you'd get guts stuck in there right away and the gun would totally jam. But, you know, forget about real life for a second. When Not you are using <laughs> petroleum. No. <laughs> but like, regardless of that, there's occasions when you decide to charge up to them and, you know, use your chainsaw. They also have a chainsaw. So then you start combat and the two of you are both fighting it out. So the way melee works is... You it's roll the Lancer assault rifle, the Lancer. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so when you're in melee, once you're within engagement range, within an inch of a model or within their bubble, as we mentioned earlier, you then take a number of dice equal to the characteristic of the weapon. Generally it's four, I think 
generally. So you roll your four attack dice, and your opponent will roll four of their attack dice for their melee weapon. Then the attacker gets to decide what to do first with their dice. So it's best to line them up and decide if you want to go ahead and have your damage uh, go through, or if you want to block one of your opponent's hits. Then your opponent's takes their turn, takes what remaining dice they have, and has the option to either push damage through or to block one of your hits. And you keep doing this until one operative is out of wounds. Or, uh, well, actually, that's it. Until one operative is out of wounds. Or you're out of dice if no one died. Mm -hmm. There is one extra thing to that. Uh, If you don't want an operative to die, but you did want to injure them, um, if you have extra dice and your opponent does not, you can choose the parry action, which removes a dice from your opponent's pool. You can choose to parry nothing, uh, yes. meaning you will stay in combat and ne- neither opponent will die. Yeah, that's yeah, what that, I forget. That's a, good, that's a good call out. The the thing that I you know see misplayed with the fighting uh, sometimes newer players is that parry is not a reaction. You are not responding to your opponent's hit by parry. That's not how it works. If When somebody starts a fight, they decide what they're going to do with their dice first. If they hit you, they just hit you. There's nothing you can do. So parrying is when it's your turn to do a dice in the fight action. You can decide to knock out one of your opponent's hits in a fight or to immediately do damage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's very... Once you do it a couple times, it becomes very simple. Something that is a little bit different from shooting than from melee is that melee, if you have two normal hits, you cannot block a critical hit. Ah, yes. So in shooting, you can. You can take two normal saves and block a critical hit. In melee, you have to block criticals with criticals. It's very important. Um, Moving on to the next bit. um, do you guys want to explain the phases of the game and how the game is typically run phase-wise? So we go initiative, strategy, and then the firefight. Sure. So uh, generally, uh, when uh, when a new uh, turn starts, or in Kill Team, we call them turning points because everything's just got to be very slightly different. Uh, when a new turn <laughs> starts, uh, generally the first thing that's going to happen is both players roll for initiative. So whichever player rolls higher is going to have initiative that Generally, winning initiative is to your benefit, um, and you're going to start doing things first. Most importantly, you'll have the first activation a little bit later. But the initiative phase is basically just this role. Then you move on to the strategy phase. The strategy phase, you're going to do two primary things. The first one is playing your strategic ploys. And what these are are essentially global uh, upgrades to your army where you're spending command points, which are a resource that you have and accumulate during the game and can spend on certain abilities. Um, in the strategy phase, you're spending them on team-wide bonuses, right? Anything from making your team better at shooting, um, better at surviving, turning on some other ability, um, and, and some other, you know, sometimes very, very unique things uh, from strategic ploys. Uh, just like many other things in Kill strategic ploys are played in an alternating manner. So the person with initiative will, will go first, and then their opponent has a chance to either play a strategic ploy or say, no, I'm not doing anything. And it continues until both players pass. Then you move on to the target reveal part, the strategy phase. And that's where both players will take turns uh, revealing their attack ops or their secondary bonus objectives. So in Kill Team, both players know at the get-go what the primary win condition is. Right, This is where the, the lion's share of the points for the, for the match come from. 
but each player also has a few secret objectives, or also called pack ops, uh, that they will reveal during the game, where they have to fulfill some other sort of special conditions, and that, that happens during this, this sort of step of the game. Then, the meat and potatoes of, uh, of Kill Team starts, the, the actual you know, turn, uh, the firefight phase, where the person with, with initiative will pick a model, activate it, and they will do uh, run through all the actions they want to do with that model. Once that model's out of actions, it passes off to their opponent, and they'll activate their own model, and it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very, that's a very well put, my friend. Now, <clears throat> moving on to uh, narrative versus competitive. What is the difference? Hmm. Yeah, I can start on this one. Um, so... Uh, most people in this call are what you would call a competitive player. Uh, some of us have done narrative play, but mostly we are in it for the competition. Um, what that means is, more often than not, you're playing um, your very best on the table. You're playing to maximize your strategies, you're playing to know your army inside and out, and to defeat your opponent. Uh, that's typically how it goes. Most of these players show up in competitive tournaments, uh, where you know you have a various amount of rounds and one player comes out on top, or sometimes multiple. Um, in contrast, you have narrative play. Now, both both are fun, uh, but narrative is more focused on the fun casual side. There's a hobby, there's a theme, there's something you want to convey as a player. Whether it's I want to chop your leader's head off and you know you go home for the day, even though your whole team gets destroyed. Whatever your narrative is, is typically what you're playing for. Um, more often than not, you'll find events that are set up as a theme or a setting or some sort of mission agenda that has to carry out and you have to do certain things to achieve that. Or you and your opponent just have a fun, casual game where you don't really necessarily play super sweaty or super competitive min-maxing. You're just doing the things that seem like in a story timeline, they would make sense. Um, And that's the main difference for me in a nutshell of the difference between narrative and competitive. I think that's great. Um, anyone else want to chip in? Uh, well, what I'd like about the difference between narrative and competitive is when you're playing competitive, you're more than likely, like we mentioned, knowing the team inside out. So you're going for the victory. Whereas narrative, although it's still partially competitive, if you're going to a narrative event, you know, no one's trying to lose. Um, you are more likely willing to experiment with a team that you're fairly familiar with to try out something. At least in my experiences, it's what I do with narrative. Mm-hmm. And you're supporting the people who are just running those sorts of events. Oh, there are also separate rules for this game for yes. narrative. Um, that's an important distinction. You don't, when you play this game, you don't get all the rules unless you're playing in a narrative-focused setting. There's a lot of equipment, stratagems. Um, there's a whole base bunch of, of operations. Stuff. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff that is added if you play narrative games. Um, now these things aren't necessarily the most balanced. They're there again for theme and kind of detailing your army based on what happens in your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that that's probably the most important thing is that narrative is uh, a lot more difficult because there's a lot of upkeep and tracking as well. Um, but some people really love that. Like when I first started playing skirmish games, it was back uh, back when um, I think 2004 
with 2004 and 2005, and we were playing the Battle for Middle Earth uh, game and their competitive version. They had ways to, and uh, I don't think it was called competitive, it was something else, but it was you get to form your battle army and then your heroes and stuff. And even, even your little normal dudes, if they survive the battle and they got certain kills, they could upgrade into champions and stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun. And I think it was some of the very first um, iterations of this type of stuff that we see now. There was some stuff in third edition too with uh, like, or I think it was second edition for dreadnoughts and dread each part of a dreadnought had like an upkeep list and stuff like that. So yes. Uh, yeah. It was very interesting to say the least. Um, moving on to the next one. Um, what, what, what teams, cause there are some teams that are a little confusing. Chris, do you want to go over which teams are confusing from narrative to com- competitive lists? Because there are some teams that are very, that you don't know exactly that there's some narrative rules just straight baked into the team. Well, definitely the one that comes to mind uh, most glaringly would be Novitiates. Yes. This is one yeah. that was uh, actually uh, widely misplayed when the team was released. Um, so uh, Novitiates have this whole page of rules about all these different specialisms and and how they can get more faith points and all the different abilities they can do when you have to cross-reference the cards. And uh, when I was still fairly new to Kill Team and, and you know, Novitiates, um, I remember uh, having a little anxiety, actually, when I was reading the team, thinking, how am I going to keep track of all of these different things during the game and all these little conditions that can trigger to give me more faith points? Um, and as it turns out, um, those are not used at all for match play, um, which <laughs> I was very, very happy about. Yeah, uh, if they were, they'd be an immensely better team, especially on Into the Dark, which they kind of yeah. struggle into. Pornovitiates. <clears throat> Pornovitiates. Maybe... May, may, maybe uh... GW will say like all the novitiates narrative rules are are now canon. That'd be fun. <laughs> oh no! Rise, <laughs> no. rise of the emperor's women. Um, so moving on to the next one. How about uh, how is the different? How is the game different now compared to when it first released? Hmm. Ooh, um, I think the complexity of teams has changed. So you know, you had vet guard and you had orcs. And I think we we, talk, we touched on this once. If you look at some of the operatives, there isn't a whole lot of special rules. Like it's it says kind of what it does, and it's done maybe two three sentences. Where now you might have like a paragraph, and then it it's referencing a different rule inside something else. So, and I think that's normal with games. You have to keep kind of increasing and getting different teams that do different things to the rules that aren't too similar to another team that does that. Or else, you know, what would be the point of playing different teams? So uh, a bit more complex, but not overwhelming. Yeah, there's definitely a, a rich, broad range of teams uh, going around now, which is great. Um, I would say for me, the, the biggest change that, you know, now compared to release, um, I would say actually is just general player skill and knowledge of the game. Um, for some of the early events that came out when people were sort of coming to grip the team, and especially how different it was, than uh, the prior version, the prior edition of the game, uh, people definitely weren't always able to fully sort of get you know the activation system and how how fundamentally different this this game spirit is. Um, and when you show up to a larger event now, you know the the shark infested waters. This, uh, so that that's been definitely just the the best thing to see. Is 
just so many players getting into the game and really embracing the competitive aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, Kill Team is growing quite a lot. And if you're looking to get into Kill Team, this is a great time because the game is very healthy and it's a very good game. So compared to some of the other games out there. Freakishly well balanced. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go on a, a bit of a different note there for a second. Oh. Yeah, I know. Off the grid. Um, <laughs> I would say the coverage um, of this game when it first started versus now it has exponentially grown. We have a lot more content creators. We have a lot more actually good bat reps, uh, which are battle reports. They're videos you can watch from people um, that are they're starting to figure out their formulas and make really nice condensed kill team games to watch. Uh, when you first started, nobody really knew what they were doing. And as well, nobody really knew how to put out a good battle report. Uh, but now we have plenty of podcasts to keep you entertained for endless hours of listening to people mumble about Kill Team. And um, you can really see and you can discuss things as well with people on things like Discord or Reddit. Um, there's a lot of players that are happy to get you up to speed. Absolutely. I'm not the Reddit guy myself. Not not the biggest fan. Yeah, but well, Reddit doesn't love you. Um. No, they don't. um for me i think uh one of the biggest changes is crit ops so me as a to when i go to events sometimes people show up playing the older uh attack ops what attack op is attack op is your secondary uh scoring metric so there's a primary scoring metric in this game which are indicated by little little objectives on the ground that you have to get to and hold or or tap with one of your abilities, right, to score. And then there's the secondaries, which are tack ops, which are um, other ways that your team needs to score points in order to uh, to win the game. And <clears throat> uh, I think that uh, there's been quite a few people that have come to uh, like some of the bigger tournaments and been, you can, you can tell that they're new because they're using some of the stuff that are, in the main rulebook, and that's fine. Um, the current uh, competitive meta uses uh, a card pack now that is hard to get, but supposedly coming out with another drop here soon. Hopefully, it doesn't sell out instantly again. GW, um, it's called the Crit Ops card pack, and that has updated rules that make scoring secondaries immensely easier than the old stuff because the old stuff was very difficult to score. Um, so this card pack comes with pretty much all the, the new ways that you need to score points uh, in the competitive setting. So that's one of the biggest changes um, that I've noticed outside of how many teams have been released. Just side noting on that. If you can't get the cards, there are options online. Uh, Wahapedia has a good, it's a free access to those cards you can find along with all the other kill team rules. And I think there's a few other folks who have made a database of those cards for free online. Absolutely. Anyone else have anything else before we move on to the next one? Sounds good to me. Okay. How about terrain? Terrain is the next one. Um, There are a lot of people that don't understand terrain for kill team. And there is 
a lot about terrain that is difficult to grasp sometimes. And it's probably one of the most least things to understand initially when you're first starting the game. But it is the most important to realize, like we've said before, if you improperly set it up, you will you can shoot off the enemy or the enemy can shoot you off because this is how the game works, right? Um, that's why Into the Dark is such a great terrain set to use is because if you use some of the um, the new competitive formats for it, it is very much balanced. Um, and you won't get shot off the board turn one, hopefully. <laughs> Unless you group everything up and a Corsair's model comes over and gets a really big blast on your entire team. Um, yeah, which has happened to me before. Ask me how I know, Rob. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> um, that was my first Into the Dark experience. It was good. It was a good learning experience. Um, it does. <laughs> so... Uh, is there anything that you guys want to say about terrain? And right now, the most competitive GW terrain that is sold on the market is um, Octarius. Um, I also really like Fronteris, but Fronteris isn't typically sold uh, as a kill team terrain set. True. Um, Knockman gang. You like Knockman, huh? I, I really do. Yeah, I can, so, I can enjoy Knockman. So Knockman... Is not bad, I definitely say. I actually really like this is gonna you guys are both gonna roll your eyes. Everyone's gonna roll their eyes. I like Chalneth if you build it in much smaller pieces. So if you mimic the size of Chalneth in um to the same size of Octarius footprints of buildings, I think it's a lot better than those giant buildings that look cool. Unfortunately, my, I like my biggest issue terrain. with Chalnath is that there's no, you know, in in the kit, you know, as printed, uh, there are no light terrain in there. Um, so I really don't like that as far as mm. like introducing players to the game because uh, it removes an aspect. Yeah, I I like Into the Dark uh, for teaching. You don't have to worry about all the vantage point stuff if people don't quite get it. The only thing they have to know is how doors work. At one AP, you swing them open. Um, or, you know, if there's someone on the other side, they you can't close that door. Other than that, you know, they're either in a room getting shot or they're not. I mean, hey, that's another thing you bring up a point with terrain uh, in Into the Dark is those two terrain sets have different rules from each other. So remember that because Blast is more lethal, same thing with Torrent weapons, uh, Indirect is a smaller range now, and then you get introduced into the concept of hatchway fighting. And guard. And guard. So, you know, like um, thinking about the terrain set you're playing on will change the way the game fun, not fundamentally works, but the, the pace of a game might change in that yeah. sense. The flavor of kill team you're playing is different. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise, refer to places that make terrain if you're not quite sure how to build a proper board or you're, it's your first time, you know, you can try it out and then see what you like, what you don't like, and readjust it yourself. Yeah, I think that terrain is probably the most important, is is a really important aspect of the game just because a really bad map can really lead to really unfair advantages for specific teams, right? So that's kind of something to to keep in mind 
when you are developing and playing with terrain or playing the game in general. But it's probably still one of the last things you need to learn in order to play the game. So uh, now for on to pro tips. There's a lot of really fun stuff that we can talk about for our casual, normal listeners. Is there anything that you guys want to shout out for uh, some really fun um, pro tips? I guess this, this is sort of a, a more general pro tip. Um, what, what I see with a, a lot of players starting, um, and especially in Portion 40k, is, is a sort of a lack of recognition on how much deployment matters in Kill Team, um, and mm. how much it really does matter you know, not just if you're if you're deploying somebody on conceal or engage, but but also you know exactly where and you know where they're behind cover, how they're going to reach objectives, and uh, one general just piece of advice that I that I give players is imagine what you want the start of, of turn two to look like, right? And and deploy in a way that you have a game plan to reach that. And that really helps helps people sort of get through the the paces of okay, so I'll need these people here to get here sort of that that level of planning ahead um so that that's like the general pro tip that i would uh my pro tip uh it's probably one of the most important keywords i feel for guns uh you'll ever come across and you won't forget your first interaction with it uh, it's blast um mm. blast single-handedly can ruin you know the best player's day uh because what it does is it Normally, weapons have a blast keyword, and that denotes how many models they essentially... If you hit somebody with a blast, every model within a certain range of whatever that weapon's blast is also gets shot. It's not like a just a little splash or something. It's a full-on, I shoot this guy now, I shoot that guy now, I shoot this one, everybody who's in that range. It's indiscriminate for the most part. Um, and it's something I see a lot of new players rage quit about and completely have a terrible time because turn one they set all their models up concealed behind this little piece of uh, terrain somebody pops up on a vantage point or just gets an angle they didn't see and all of a sudden you got like five guys dead before the game even happened Uh, so always ask if your opponent has blast where it is and just be aware smart Mm -hmm. getting blasted um (laughs) if if i had to recommend something and this comes from age of sigmar don't rely on the double turn, or I guess in this sense, the double activation. Uh, there's been many times playing Age of Sigmar and many times playing Kill Team where I get the common thing is like, oh, I hate that we have to roll off to see who goes first. It should just be the next person in line. Well, that's the way they wrote those rules. And usually they're angry about that because they're not necessarily thinking about, well, if I don't go next, you know, what's my play? And they haven't thought maybe that far. So kind of what Chris mentioned earlier is planning your turns. Um, and, you know, that's one of the rules is getting to roll off to see who goes first with initiative. You know, you can't rely that you're going to get it every time. You know, obviously there's teams who can do certain things about it. But for the most part, it's the roll off in the dice. That's an, that's an awesome call out. Uh, I love that. Um, yeah, one one of the things that I try to have you know, my own mindset and also coach people on is, is assume you're going to lose initiative turn two, right? Just assume you're going to lose initiative and deploy in a way where that's, or, you know, and move in a way where that's not going to be something super painful. Yes, absolutely. Uh, for me, a pro tip is if a model is already in engagement, 
you can then move a model that's not an engagement in engagement range of that model as long as you don't end your move in engagement range. Yep. Um, so I've done this many times with VetGuard. I will charge a model on purpose and then I'll move my demo man past those models within an inch, plant a mine, have him dash away, and then blow it up because he has three APL from a comms. And then, yeah, I'll kill my model that um, charged, right? But uh, sometimes it might kill four or five people. You can do this with Space Marines. You can have somebody who's already been charged and charge around them and, or move around them and shoot and then charge back and get plus one to hit and kill something, right? So like, there's a lot of really fun ways that you can manipulate movement in that aspect. Um, I'd like to call back to your guys' um, deployment. Um, one of the reasons why I think Orion is such an amazing player is um, I haven't got the luck. I haven't been lucky enough to fight uh, Chris yet. But uh, one thing that I've noticed about Orion is that he doesn't make mistakes in deployment. And uh, it's very hard to punish somebody who doesn't make mistakes in deployment. Some of the best players that you see will set up for turn two and do these kinds of things and make sure that you can't ever shoot any of their models practically no matter what on turn one. So that's uh, something really big and huge as well. Um, do you guys have any other pro tips or should we move on to the next order of business? I mean, we can keep going on and on, but, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> these are new players. They're going to have to learn them for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Game. That's, time. The that's the best pro tip. There you yeah. Go. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one contentious rule currently that was brought up to me last night. I want to get everyone's take on this. Um, I think it's pretty cut and dry as to what it is, but this is the best thing about a live um, talk about a contentious rule is that uh, you get to see like a Discord chat happen or listen to a Discord chat happen uh, right away. Uh, if we, especially if we don't all agree. So it would be uh, Curtain Falls from Void Dancers. Um, it was recently brought to my attention that a lot of players, or some players, um, use Curtain Falls. So they'll charge a model from Void Dancers, kill something, and then use Curtain Falls to fall back, even though there's nothing within engagement range. What is your guys' take or, uh, about that rules interaction? I have a very strong opinion on this. So do I. Let's talk. Um, and I believe in my little heart of hearts um, that you can fall back in that instance. Um, I believe if you do kill the model and pay for Curtain's Falls, that you can fall back. And the reason I say that is it says the rule specifically, I believe, it says when you... It's not... I have to remember. That, it's after you strike with a critical hit. Yeah, it's right? after you strike, you can perform a fallback. Now, there's nothing to say specifically. And again, I could see it going either way. Um, I wouldn't be upset if the rule was ruled in either favor. But the way I see it is, as soon as you strike, I think there is a window where more stuff happens where that model isn't just removed. Let's say the opponent has a feel no pain. Let's say the opponent has a rule that says strike upon death. Um, in that instance, if they had either of those rules, those happen after the strike, which means you could fall back from that guy. He's still there. Um, so in my opinion, I would say you could still fall back because it's at a strike, not when the model's removed from the table, you can perform a fallback. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I have to be super boring here and just pretty much agree with Orion. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's my read, and uh, when when I've read through the rules and my understanding of them, that's my take as well. So I will be the descending vote. Uh, yeah, when I think it's super super clear that it's opposite, uh, and I will give my opinion as to why. So when you say fight upon death, it says they're dead. When it you know when you look at when a model is removed from the game. Um, it happens when they reach zero hit points. Uh, and when you look at the fallback action, fallback says that you can only perform this action if it is within engagement range of an enemy operative. When a model re- goes to zero wounds, it doesn't matter. It's immediately removed. So like, if they have a thing that stops them from doing it, then yes, they could jump back. What I believe Curtain Falls is meant for is that somebody can move in, charge, attack, do one attack action while the model's still alive and then fall back. I don't think that, I think it's a really busted interaction if they could move up, kill something, and then move again. I think it's, I think it's very uh, not against, uh, I would say, rules as intended is, uh, is definitely on my side as well. Well, let me play devil's advocate real quick. Yes. They absolutely can charge, kill something, and fall back under your interpretation. Correct. As long as they were engaged with another model. Yes, correct. If there was two so, models, so, 100%. so the issue isn't that they killed something. Well, he, I, I would like to play another... I play my trap card. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say I have started the turn with a model that has, say, four APL. Um, I fight a veteran guardsman. Um, I kill the veteran guardsman. Correct. Uh, the veteran guard plays in death atonement. Am I not allowed to fall back from this model? Am I just stuck there indefinitely? No, you would because you could fall back because you're in engagement range of a model. Correct. But he's incapacitated, right? You said he's no longer there. Now, so he, what I'm he saying did, he did is... He removed from the kill zone. He, he, did, yeah. he, he did address this point. Yes. Yeah. So if a model has a, you know, uh, I guess in that instance, um, when the strike hits, you're saying you would then die and then pay for in death atonement and then curtain falls could potentially fall back. That and seems then you like could a big step away from strike. Ooh, okay. I, I just was reading some of the rules and here's what I'm thinking. I'm using MTG logic here. And yeah, I, I used MTG too. Well, the, I mean, I'm, this one this one has been debated for death for years, and I, would and I can see it either way. I really wouldn't care. I, 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 I I've already. always played it, by the way, Dakota's way, because my understanding of the way it's generally ruled in tournaments is that you cannot uh, fall back after incapacitating a single enemy operative. Um, but I, that doesn't support my personal rod. I'm thinking that at least what, what I'm reading here. Maybe I need to get the uh, definition of a strike. A strike is just, I choose to hit you, correct? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. All right. So then I would interpret it like this. You go back and forth. It's the Void Dancer's last dice. They choose to strike and play Curtain Fall. Curtain Fall immediately happens and ends that combat. Now, according to that, it would end the combat and not actually kill the model because you would never do damage. You're ending combat before the damage goes through, correct? Because strike no, doesn't no, actually you, deal it, damage. It, it, no, the strike no, it, does. It, it, it does says, the damage. It says if they strike, inflict damage on that target, which would then okay. drop it to zero. Really? Because I'm reading it 
at least the way it's written here from from the page. After an active friendly void dancer troop operative strikes, immediately end that combat, and that friendly operative can perform a fallback action for one AP. Mm-hmm. Well, so so it's so it's here's where the vagary comes in, right? When exactly is after the strike? Yeah, this is the problem that we don't have the answer to, is what yeah. happened? Is there a window? Is there a separate little sub-step in there that we don't know about? Because the rule book it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be a little sub-step in there. There could not. And then it's just quite literally how it's interpreted. Um, right. Because since, since uh-huh. in, in my opinion, since the rule book literally has nothing about any sort of other step, I think that there doesn't exist. And then there are some rules that just say when a model, instead of removing a model, you don't remove that model, right? Like the same thing when, when the Angels of Wrath or, or the Space Marine Tacploy or Only in Death, like those, those specific rules stop the model from being removed because it is a rule that stops it from being removed. Yeah, this is a weird one. I, is, I would, I, I would assume yeah, you don't there, do there's damage. There's a reason this one has has been debated. <laughs> yeah, I, I would years. assume that you wouldn't do damage because it's a strike, but not perform damage yet, no, right? But it says the, after the strike. Part part of a strike is doing the damage. Correct. A okay, strike so is that, defined step, as also then, yes. doing damage. Yeah. Ooh, then that is that is a tough one. All right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. This gets weirder. Mm-hmm. Go down the rabbit hole we go. All right. So I mean, let's we, let's not spend years yeah. debating it on the Squad <laughs> Games podcast. We'll move on, and uh, everyone else can tell us their their thoughts and stuff on uh, this particular rule on our Discord. And I'm sure it start a little bonfire in there. All right. Yeah, I'm sure we will reach a conclusion that everybody agrees with. Until <laughs> I'm sure everyone will be really happy about the conclusion. This is yeah. this is this is a majority wins kind of conclusion. No, it's the TO decides. That's what I mean. <laughs> the day, he's right. the TO calls it. <laughs> All right. So um, we're moving on to something special now, something that we all cooked up. And I believe it was Orion's original idea. Um, was it? Or was it? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, I reached uh, out to everybody. Yeah. So why don't you tell us what this is and what TV show inspired it? All right. Well, it wasn't actually so much the the TV show as um, Salvation inspired it. Um, so I had seen uh, on Reddit, anytime there's a new box coming out, people are always like, "Ooh, what's it going to be? What do you guys want to see? And everybody just has the most unhinged takes uh, <laughs> about what that box is going to be. And I'm like, some of these are really funny. Um, so I have put two and two together here. I've used both of my brain cells to come up with a sort of kill team game show here. Uh, and what this is based on is Shark Tank. Now, what our contenders here are myself and, you know, the handsome Chris Baki. What we're going to be doing is we've made a list of four boxes. You know, they go into various details on what these boxes have in them, but, you know, if there's a little narrative focus, etc. And we are giving that list to our opponent. Um, they have neither of us have seen each other's list. And what we have to do is uh, we're going to send them to each other one at a time. Uh, Dakota and Giacomo here are our investors, and they have to pick which box they would invest in for the future of Kill Team. Um, and obviously here, you know, whatever happens from there happens. Uh, but we are going to do, me and Chris are going to do our best uh, to persuade you to invest in our new box. Mm. Uh, this is Kill Team, wrong answers only. We may, we may... <laughs> also ask you guys on the spot about specific rules about your supposed kill teams so that we may 
you know, if something's really crazy about it, you know, who knows if we'll, uh, if we'll, we'll invest. So it's curtain falls all over again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's just going to be the first question for every box. Imagine a whole team of flying APL three models. That'd be, a you know, <laughs> nuts. That's why it came out in white door, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm going to send my first one to you here, Chris, in a second. Just give me a, cause I have it on my phone. Now, because I came up with this idea, I'm going to let Chris go first because he is our challenger here. All right. All right, gentlemen. (laughs) Yes. Are you ready for the Alpha and the Omega? Strike from the sky and tunnel from underneath (laughs) in Adeptus Wackiest. All right. This pits five Vanguard veterans, the elite of the elite with jetpacks against the devious and sneaky Tyranid Raveners. And what better mm. place for this ultimate combat but a blasted moonscape full of craters with, uh, t- with the Raveners burying below and the, the Vanguard vets jumping from crater to crater, striking their foes down wherever they can see them. It's the ultimate in Whack-A-Mole. Meet Adeptus Wackius. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I have a question. I have a question for you. Absolutely. Uh, so... With this terrain full of craters, um, are you trying to make Pathfinders win? Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> as we all know, the moon is made of cheese, and okay. uh, nothing is cheesier <laughs> than Pathfinders. So, yes, absolutely. Of, yes, absolutely. Bring them back. We we missed. Okay. Them. Yeah, we missed them. We missed them so so desperately. Now, the okay, good thing so though I'll... is that even though uh-huh. Pathfinders will be broken against every other team. Uh, Vanguard vets and Raveners specifically have rules specifically designed to counter Pathfinders, so it's fine for these two. So buy the box. Mm. Can can you explain a little bit about uh, what those specific rules of countering the Tau menace uh, is yeah, for the absolutely. Raveners? Absolutely. Yeah. So the Raveners, um, you know, the, the, obviously they can they can burrow. Um, okay. And there's a bunch of really cool <laughs> things with the burrowing, right? They can they basically uh, spend an action point to be taken off the table, um, and then the next turn they can spend an action point to pop up anywhere. And oh, the really wow. cool thing about that is that um, any marker light tokens they may have had when they burrowed are removed, and it specifically calls out marker light tokens. Again, oh, man, really I'm good really box liking if this you box. want to beat the Pathfinders. Okay, uh, but and if how you don't about the, the box when you're playing on the terrain? You're, you're screwed. All right, and how does how does Vanguard beat the Pathfinders? Well, so the Vanguard veterans, obviously they have, they have jump packs, right? So what they, what they can do is they can spend an action point where they're taken off the table. And then, <laughs> and then the next turn, they can spend an action point to strike down from the sky, and they can land anywhere they want, even in engagement range. Um, and there's also a special rule for the Vanguard veterans that if they had any marker light tokens, though, all the marker <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> so... So, uh, so with the obvious counter to, to Pathfinders, just remove um, marker lights. <laughs> Don't be on the table. Uh, it, it sounds it like specifically calls out marker lights. Yeah, it, it sounds like um, I can go up into the sky or burrow below for one AP, uh-huh. and then next turn I can dig myself up or come down from the sky, do a strike, and then I could do that again and either go up or down. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Every, every every turn you're doing it, but it's balanced by the fact that you only have five uh, space marines and only five raveners. So okay, you know, it's, and it's I, basically I, like pre-buff compendium marines. How bad could it be? Okay, got it, got it. So I'll tell you the things I like about this pitch. I like that they both 
fuck over Tao immensely. Okay. <laughs> Before you get into the pluses and minuses here, oh, I want okay. to pitch mine. All right. All right. So fair, fair, we got to compare fair. notes here. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, Orion. Um, Baki, do you want to send yours? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm setting okay. my PowerPoint. Give me a second. Uh, right, yeah. A power store. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan so far. I'm liking this. <laughs> Gee, did you, did you like that one? Uh, yeah, I like how ridiculous you could be with it. But if you choose to be that ridiculous, you can't really score objectives. So that's the trade off. Yeah. Who needs to win? Remember? Don't you remember your, your. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we've done our market research. Uh-huh. We know what the player base wants. Okay. They've been screaming from the heavens. And it's Kill Team Space Hulk. Now, everyone's excited about it. It's a classic. It's going to be a season four launch box, right? Okay. It, maybe a new event edition. Who knows? I mean, the rules might, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Absolutely. Uh, but it introduces, um, you know, things for both. It'll be playable in both editions, all right? Mm-hmm. And what it's going to do is bring us two classic teams, two iconic enemies. Terminators and Tau Breachers. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The the Terminators hit the board with five operatives and a cat, and the Tau Breachers come with 12 operatives. Now, that may be sounding (laughs) one-sided, but hear me out. Terminators, fuck. Okay. The terrain will be similar to like the classic Gallo fall boards. All right. It's going to be mm-hmm. tight corridors, you know, multi-levels. You can come in from vents and stuff just like a gene stealer would. Right. But with no gene stealers, because we've done our market research. Everyone hates gene stealers. It's a mega turnoff. <laughs> Nobody wants them. Um, we solved like, they got these weird little hands and the market research <laughs> said no, too many hands. So that is what we're going to do. Terminators and Tau Breachers. Okay. <laughs> now, how are you going to differentiate Tau Breachers from Imperial Navy Breachers? Now, you might think that, right? Uh, but what we some people might say, oh, no, it's just another 12-man man spam team. What's different here is these are blue. Okay. All right. What about being blue makes them different? Do they suck? Oh, no, no, no. Town naturally has to be insane. And the reason we're doing this is because there's a specific box that may come out that would really counter them. So in this box, <laughs> they're going to be really overpowered. <laughs> we have a rule that says their marker lights can't be removed regardless of any rule that says oh, so. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The counter, the counter. I didn't even know breaches used marker lights. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the close quarters marker lights ploy. And then, right. and then blitz marker lights, obviously. <laughs> blitz marker lights, where you can marker light three times. You got it. Now, now, <laughs> now would, would Pathfinders find it difficult to play against Breachers? Oh, absolutely. You think you can find a path in the dark? That's not even possible. <laughs> I mean, notoriously, they have tucked into, into the dark. Yeah, they don't. the Breachers don't care where they're going. They're breaching, okay? Okay. It doesn't matter if it's left, right. They're going. Now and, this bo- but they're going to hit Terminators eventually. The Space Hawk's massive. Like, there's got to be Terminators in there somewhere. At some point, right? We've been waiting, yeah. and uh, I love I love the concept. I love where this is going. What are your units looking like, and what are your distributors thinking uh, in terms of boxes they're looking to get? Ah, so we, um, 
we thought about our company and the player. This is a combined effort to make all people happy. And what we're doing is we're using old metal terminators on their classic face <laughs> side. Hey, I love metal. Hey. Exactly. This is a box that's meant to be owed to the classical player. Because there's no more classic matchup than Terminators versus Tau Breachers. Fair. Okay. Now, um, your... So, uh, I have to write marker lights never removed. Uh, <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> never removed. Now, your, your, uh, your Terminators, I am looking to know what their specific team's... Um, rule is like like you know how each team like corsairs get an extra dash whenever they want because they're elves like what is the terminators team's specific rule ah you see what they do i, I mentioned their mechanic before briefly it's they fuck okay, uh, and they, what that means they is if you, if you roll enough dice yes please uh if you need spelling I got uh-huh. you. Um, <laughs> what they do is they roll dice and if you're not happy with it just change them all to sixes <laughs> Okay, uh, change to sixes. Okay, I like that because they fuck up Tau Breachers now. Because um, well, there's a thing that marker lights can reduce the amount that you can fuck. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a balance there. Uh, again, destined soul-crossed enemies here. Got it, got it. Okay, G, do you have any other questions about, uh, what is this box's name? Oh, it's Space Hulk. Okay, so everybody just, knows just, that. Just Space Hulk. Okay. Yeah, Kill Team Space Hulk. It's a classic edition. Everybody knows what that means. Okay, team. Mm-hmm. And we have Adeptus Wackius. Two incredible names for two incredible box sets. Okay, let's go over the plus and minuses of both these teams. Um Adeptus Wackius. Gee, what are your what are your bonuses? Your your bonuses and negatives? Uh let's see. Aren't Raveners rather large? They are. I think they come on 50 millimeter bases. Uh, how many okay. are you fielding in, in this team? Five? Five. It's it's five. Wow. Wow. Um, there's no cons here. I can't see a single one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do they have do they have super conceal? You bet they do. <laughs> well, they're oh underground. God. Yeah, they're in the moon. Oh, and I'm talking Vegas. above ground, they still have it. They're like snakes. It's fine. They just they just hide behind whatever. It's good to go. Oh, they're on 40 millimeter bases. Okay. So um, I actually really like the Raveners for a potential kill team, uh, actually. And um, the things that you'll find the way to Dakota's heart is um, killing Tau, killing Tau, and also, also, um, also like, I'm very logical. I'm very logical. I'll say the advantage is this, this box does not introduce any new Tau. And in fact, only hearts Tau. <laughs> now, contrary to what he said there, my team, my box actually comes with a narrative list where we double anything, any effects that the data slate may had on Tau against Tau. Okay. So minus one operative on the data slate currently, you can okay. take this as an equipment and it doubles the data slate. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> or now, four now in both sets, <laughs> have you thought about the repercussions that perhaps Tau will then get stronger in a further data slate. Oh no no no! No, that's not, not that possible. No, yeah. <laughs> okay. G bonuses and negatives for uh, Tau uh, breachers versus the Terminators. Hmm. 
This is a this is a tough call. I love Terminators. I love them. Yeah. I hate Tau. <laughs> I mean, I, I see that, I see that as your pro. <laughs> I'm trying to find a downside here, but I can't quite find it besides the fact that they have rules that actually hurt other teams. Uh, the breachers, <laughs> that is. Could Do you think you could take that rule away and just, just make Terminators better? <laughs> they I mean, fuck harder? Can you, I mean, can you make you, Terminators fuck harder? We'll put a GW brand marker in there, and whatever you write in your book will be official. Okay. I, I can live with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, G, who are you giving the, the point to this round? The point. Hmm. You know, I got to go. I got to go with Terminators. Thank you, investors. You won't regret this. You of course you do, G. I have to go with the Raveners and Vet. There we vets. go. Boo. I have to. I have and to. reason has returned. Yes. All right. So, so ultimately, both boxes are getting funded. They are going to printers. Fuck Colts. Uh, the new meta <laughs> is to fuck Tao. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on to the uh, to, to the next round. Um, who's going to go first on this one, fellas? Do you want me to go first, or uh, I'll send uh, Ryan the first one? Sounds good. Sure. All right. Now, gee, I thoroughly liked uh, our previous uh, guests and contestants' um, teams. I'm looking forward to uh, if they can top those, because I think I'm going to ultimately give a double bonus point to the overall best team uh, pitched at this one. Now, I'm, I'm aware that you're a big fan of what we just released, but what I'm looking forward is into the future and seeing how soon these boxes will not be available at your local game store. <laughs> <laughs> and gonna, it's FOMO. They're going to sell out immediately. Uh, they sure are. <laughs> yeah. And in knowing GW's supply chain, it is going to be rough to find these. <laughs> uh, and that is what I am for, is for the scalpers here. <laughs> All right, guys, we got our second box here. It's coming okay. in hot. It's coming in tactical. It's Kill Team Primaris. Kill That's team right. Primaris. We got Primaris Lieutenant Kill Team versus Warp Spiders. Okay. All right. <laughs> this assembles every Primaris Lieutenant ever made versus Warp Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> in the battle for the most commonly updated models versus the models left behind most notoriously. <laughs> Featuring five brand new Primaris Lieutenant sculpts bundled with five, five <laughs> fine cast warp spiders. <laughs> fine cast warp spiders. <laughs> with the fine cast upgrade sprue. Oh no. <laughs> this is taking place in a completely new field for Warhammer, Imperial City Ruins. Okay. <laughs> Imperial City Ruins. Haven't heard of that one before. It will be ruined. You will be. It won't lie. Okay. There will so, not be a single intact wall. <laughs> no, nothing will be intact. It'll look terrible. Okay. So I am. I will say that I'm a huge fan of the Primaris Lieutenants and the meme. And in fact, if they wanted to do a new lieutenant at every single one, I actually wouldn't be mad about it because I collect them all like a Pokemon collector. Um, fine cast warp spiders. You got me there. Why is fine cast better than plastic? Uh, well, why isn't it? It's fine. <laughs> like plastic sounds clunky. It's, you know, the dark gray fine cast. It's, it's nothing but smooth sailing. Okay. It prints like a dream and it'll play like a dream on your board. You don't even need to paint them if you don't want. I mean, it's <laughs> such a beautiful, um, you know, sculpt. You wouldn't need anything. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen these sculpts, right? You've seen them from oh, the yeah. 80s, right? All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I sure have. 
All right, all right. I own eight cast, so you own eight so far. I own eight metal ones. I I don't know if I touch the fine cast ones. Now tell me what their rules have to make up for the fact that they're fine cast, right? Like, what are the rules for warp spiders? Well, I mean, their first thing is they're going to warp around. Um, they do have a rule though, warp uh, where around, yes, yeah, so they can go along the battlefield. Okay, yeah, they come in and out. Oh. Warp spiders, duh. Uh, they can also, though, fail the roll. So there's a bit of a trade-off. And then when they do fail the roll, because fine cast is so finicky often than not, you have to break the model. Oh, I kind of like that. All right. Hmm. So smash with hammer. It's, it's literally a glass cannon kill team. Brand new to the scene. We've never seen anything like this. Okay, so if you roll double ones when they're moving around, you have to smash them with a hammer. Okay, all right. Yes. All right. Okay, okay. Anything suitable as well. You could also use more primaris lieutenants uh, that you have with you to smash them. Okay. All right. And they're, they're relatively expensive, right? Because they're fine cast. Yes. Yes. They're fine. All right. (laughs) Now (laughs) tell, tell me about these, uh, these lieutenants. What, um, what special rules do, do these bad boys have? Well, they're all going to have varying degrees of bolters. Um, And what that means for them is each bolter is going to be, slightly different you have to find the easter eggs to tell which bolters do what thing <laughs> and you don't have to tell your opponent this is the rule okay uh, which they have to guess which bolter is correct on each primary lieutenant uh in order to play the game and you know compete uh, if they don't guess the bolters right you know then they just they just lose you know it's a it's a mind game okay so Fair. will this team get continuously the the primaris lieutenant team will they get continuously updated as more lieutenants come into fruition i'm glad you asked that um you know at this time you know we don't like to announce more models would come out you know but in the future if they did you know this team would be our first ever live kill team where the list adds more primaris lieutenants each time a new one would come out Mm. incredible 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 <laughs> live kill team live uh, games as a service if you will mm-hmm. so so what i've written down is that each bolters do different slash secret live kill team incredible warp spiders are warp around fail roll smash with hammer love Fine it cast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to um, Baki. Do you have your, your your next list ready for us? Uh, almost working. Almost on it working here, on it. He's uh, still right setting now. up. He's still setting up. Still Gee, setting up. Yeah, still setting up. Gee, I I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the the last one specifically specifically the uh, the primaris lieutenants. I am a space marine space marine lieutenant man. Um, what did you enjoy most about the last team? I I love the fact that they are keeping tradition with the fine cast models and will continue to upset Eldar players for years to come as new Primaris lieutenants come out. I want to <laughs> strangle you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, are you yes. ready uh-huh. for the true next generation of kill? So. We've been doing a ton of market research. We've been pouring over the demographic data, and we've identified one specific audience that has not really embraced Kill Team. That audience is new mothers. 
So what we've decided <laughs> is you put this box together, right? We're calling it Kill Team Maternitus. Now, the idea of Kill Team Maternitus <laughs> is that we are introducing, for the first time ever, brand new edible sprue technology. That is right. <laughs> that means that each box of Kill Team Maternitus comes with two sets of each sprue. One is regular plastic, and one is completely edible. And the best part is, these sprues are visually indistinguishable. That way, <laughs> the child eating the sprue will get that visceral, real-life experience of, of you know, feeling like they're eating plastic. Um, so this, this is truly something that's immersive gameplay experience for these unborn children in the womb. The box also contains a, a set of Primaris lieutenants, obviously, uh, pitted against their rivals, uh, Chaos Marines. Now, these Chaos Marine sprues are not uh, with the edible version. We could only uh, produce at scale enough the edible version for the Primaris lieutenants. Um, so uh, the, um, the Chaos Marines are piloting another new technology for us. Now, we've gotten a great uh, amount of market research and feedback on the quick build, easy to build kits. But what we haven't really truly seen is easy to destroy kits. Specifically, the feedback that young children really like destroying these miniatures, yet we've consistently failed to provide the market with a great opportunity for destroyable miniatures. So these Chaos Space Marines are specially engineered and designed for no matter how carefully you glue them and pin them to be easily destroyable by any child of five years of age or less. And that's Kill Team Eternatus. So it's Primaris Lieutenants versus the Chaos Marines. Correct. The Primaris Lieutenants are... Uh, they have they have edible components, and the Chaos Marines are easily destroyed by their by by the children of the mothers as they're correct them. correct. Okay. So that so this serves the needs of the, of the mothers, the unborn children eating sprue, and the newborn uh, young children eating uh, or destroying miniatures. It's okay. tr- truly truly checking off many boxes. So what's fascinating is that there's that there that there's two Primaris Lieutenant teams here. Uh, that is fascinating that we're going to, are they just going to be coming out with that many lieutenants? Now, does this lieutenant team have the same rules as the last or do this, does this one have completely different rules? Uh, this one has completely different rules and that's the truly exciting part. Now, when future lieutenants come out, will they be edible for this team? Uh, we're still working on that. Uh, so, so the logistics of this edible sprue has been a little bit challenging. Got to, got to be just full transparency here. Uh, we haven't quite been able to hit most of the margins uh, that we were looking for. Um, so we've actually decided to update some of the box art. Um, now, in the United States, there's this organization called the FDA. Um, and we've had to, uh, I'll use the term negotiate, uh, some of the wording <laughs> on the box to really be specific about the nutritional content of the box. Um, but preliminary findings do indicate that uh, mothers are... Uh, 300% more likely to buy this box than, than any other Kill Team box, uh, mostly due to the uh, added nutrition value. That is fair. That very is interesting. Fair. Yeah, that is very, very fascinating. Um, what flavor is this sprue? Uh, we have actually piloted two different flavors. Uh, we have a blue flavor and a green flavor, um, both, mm. which have, both of which have tested very well. Okay. Blue and green, you say. All right. So what, what what special rules does your lieutenants have and why is it better than the last lieutenants? Well, so um, the uh, the Primaris lieutenants here, again, we're really targeting this uh, this pregnant mother demographic. Um, and so uh, the the rule for the lieutenants uh, for this team is um, 
This actually uh, ties into a partner deal uh, we've got with DoorDash. And so the, the way the mechanics are set up is that uh, whenever a Primaris Lieutenant Operative is incapacitated in this team, uh, we have a little RFID chip. Again, this is only on the sprue that is not edible, um, you know, it, which is visually indistinguishable from the edible, edible, uh, edible sprue. Really got to emphasize that point. Um, but when, it, when a Primaris Lieutenant Operative is incapacitated in this team, um, it actually automatically fires off a signal to DoorDash uh, to bring the mother whatever food she may need at the time um, to make sure that she is, of course, well-fed uh, whenever she makes it. Hmm. Now, okay. do, do these does that team make for a convenient travel size snack as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, right. Truly, uh, kill team and eating on the go. Because I was you, curious about pregnant mothers who already have children. That's what the Chaos Marines are for. Ah, okay. Yes, we're back to the easy destroy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what what does the Chaos Space Marines, the the easily destroyable, do? What 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 is their their um, special faction abilities? So, so the Chaos Marines were really we're really embracing a lot of the the trends and the lore that we've been seeing, um, you know, historically over the difference between the new Primaris Marines and the classic firstborn Chaos Marines. Um, so the Chaos Marines in this box are going to be very similar to the, the Chaos Marines you know and love in the Compendium. Um, but after some initial feedback testing, we've decided to all reduce them by one wound, uh, bringing them down to uh, 10 wounds. Um, we think that's just a, a better fit for overall our, our target. So their special rule is they have minus one. Okay. Minus one wound. Minus one. Just naturally have one less wound. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck chaos. Okay, um, <laughs> um, fan of that bad boy. Fan of that. Now, uh, G, who are we giving the point to? Who are you giving the point to? I'm conflicted. Both of them have lieutenants. I will. <laughs> so am I. I think I'm actually gonna go with Orion and his and his um, fine cast warp spiders. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody yeah. knows it's it's the favorite material. And the Primaris Lieutenant, specifically having a live updated kill team, is, um, is a big that fan. Is of pretty cool. I'm, yeah, big, big, big fan, big fan. How about you, G? It's got to go. It's got to go to the easy destroy Chaos Marines. It's <laughs> it's the new innovative. It's the new innovative model. Maternity it's something we this, haven't huh? seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like you, I like that you're branching out to a different demographic. I will say that. Okay. Don't see a lot of moms get involved this early on in their their childhoods. Capturing those verticals, baby. Mm-hmm. Right in that first Literally. trimester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, do we have another team ready to go for both for for both of you? Uh, yeah, I believe we both had four total. So four I, total. I have two more. Yeah. Okay, amazing. You, however long you want this. To, I am you know. going. We are going full four. We having a good time. That's, yes. That was- yeah, I have two more as well. I'm ready to I go. I don't care what my listeners think. I am having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Baki, uh, I'll give you the honors of going first here. Sounds good. I have initiative. Now, I do have to <laughs> add a little caveat here. This is one I have stolen from Reddit. Um, this is oh, one I thought was nice. really funny. So I'll give credit where credit's due. This did not one come from me. Hashtag um, thank you, Reddit. Don't say that very often. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> going to be amazing it's going to be absolutely amazing i mean look we have trimester technology now you know there's I'm pretty sure Baki just mutes himself this whole time there's <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing we can't handle now Gentlemen, absolutely not yes is it not the little things 
that truly bring joy in life. We've seen countless kill teams with giant operatives, with huge space marines, and, you know, giant Gellerpox nightmare hulks, and these giant Tyranid warriors. But think of the little guy. Introducing kill team Dirty Jobs. This box <laughs> is between Grotz and Nurglings, both teams with 20 operatives. Now, this, now, the pitch here is that this isn't your old standard matched play box that or narrative takes a back seat to the to the sweat, you know, competitive tournament nerds. No, no. This is a focused box for narrative. Just like Ashes of Faith, not really a competitive thing, really focused on the story and the lore. Um so so in this box, um the Grots are our protagonists, and they are on a special mission, straight from the big boss to blow the pants off the enemy. Now you may ask, where is this special mission taking place? And the great news is, with such tiny operatives, we truly have a completely blown open landscape. And what more uh, of a great environment for these two cracked teams to play than the, uh, the tunnel inside the rear end of a, a great unclean one? I'm talking about a dark, dimly lit passage where a... <laughs> Great unclean one may pass excrement. So this is a uh, this is a brand new novel idea, very much inspired by Into the Dark, um, but very much in the dark, very much where the sun don't shine inside a great un. Uh, I'm so ready. There's for no vantages, right? No, no vantages. Uh, there can occasionally be uh, chunks to stand on, um, but okay. otherwise, no vantages. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Interesting. You say this is a narrative box, correct? Correct. How soon? Will players disregard the narrative? Is it going to be faster than Ashes of Faith? Do you think we can get that? We can get there. Yeah, preliminary <laughs> research uh, has shown us that it, it takes players on average about 35, 36 seconds to skip over the narrative rules and go straight to match play. Wow, that was theoretic. The theoretical limit has been blown. <laughs> it, it it has doubled the Ashes of Faith time, which is something we're really proud of. Um, mostly, what we found was that our um, the, the people going over the rules tended to linger a long time on the, the pictures of the kill zone. We're not sure why. Um, that appeared to draw a lot of attention. Um, so we're, we're, still, we're still looking at that. So, so I have a question. Um, now, anyone who's listened to, my, uh, listened to the Squad Games podcast knows that I like protagonists. I'm a big fan of having protagonists that's the reason why i went with the vanguard vets they have they have the power right um and then i also went with the primaris lieutenants well there's two primaris lieutenants but that's besides the point um <laughs> who is the leader of the grots and who is the leader of the nurglings and why are they better than the than the inquisition's leader well so when you hear about a grot kill right mm -hmm. You're going to have a knee-jerk reaction who you think the leader might be, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, everyone's going to say, Dered oh, Dered Gobbo, Dered Gobbo. Yeah. Now, this mission, Dered Gobbo is not fit out for this mission, right? Clearly unqualified, not not mm -hmm. suitable. Um, so the leader for this kill team is De Brown Gobbo, um, <laughs> <laughs> which should be self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. Brown Gobbo. Okay. Now, the Nurgling kill team, Nurglings have a very different sense of, of hierarchy. Um, so the Nurgling, the Nurgling leader, and, and obviously as the antagonist, um, is shrouded in mystery, um, known only as the Fat One. 
Um, the Nurgling leader <laughs> has a has a series of abilities that mostly relate to consuming his comrades. Okay. That's an interesting other one. ones. I really like that mechanic. It hasn't been seen in Kill Team. Now, what are the future terrain expansions in the next box sets planning to be? Are we still sticking to 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 the to the, to the rectum, or are yeah, we, we looking we to are, go we are further? Considering going going full bore potentially into even the small intestine. <sighs> um, we so we have some future expansions planned for that. Yes, very exciting. So, very so, good. Very good. So, so, what are they battling for in this a narrative? This this is a narrative styled box. So, what is the ultimate goal for these two teams? Well, it's simple. The Groths need to blow the pants off the end. I mean. It's, okay. it's 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 on the tin, right? The the great and clean one is currently wearing pants, shambling as they are, and the uh, the grots are on a special mission to uh, create some sort of uh, concussive uh, air based force in the in the rectum um, to blow the pants off the great and clean one. Okay, that is fair. May or may not involve beans. Okay. Hmm. This is going to be a colostomy bag side surprise. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I would be fair to to assume that instead of throwing grenades, they have um, cans of beans. Yes, uh, the the, the grots uh, don't have frag or crack grenades. They have cans of beans uh, that that really do the <laughs> dirty work for them. And they could also kill a nurgling with a can of green uh, of beans. So all right, I'm 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 a fan. All right, you got you got a lot ahead of you, Orion. Uh, no, man. <laughs> this is going to be a hard one to beat, my friend. So, are you ready with it, or do we? Uh, it, uh, don't worry. Uh, my my assistant just sent it to me. I'm going to double check to make sure she knows how to spell correctly. Okay, got yes. it, got it. So, so Giacomo, I thought that um, the last one is definitely the darkest and of depths of Kill Team that we've seen thus far. Um, what did you think about the the setting of this kill team? And do you think that it's going to play well in in um, the main media of the since we're since since Games Workshop is going more mainstream? Well, I definitely think so. But at the same time, they're bringing the grim darkness of the far bathrooms. Um, <laughs> that's what I like to see. We're getting real dark here. <laughs> Fair. Right. Uh, they might need to check it with their uh, with their doctors. Actually, okay. It's that dark. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. That was a pretty cool presentation. Well, well done, Tabaki. You know, that was good marketing. Uh, but we know what the gamers want. Okay. They don't want buttholes. Okay. <laughs> they want power fantasies. Okay. This is the ultimate. This is the ultimate fan service box to every Kill Team fan out there. The Kill Team power fantasy. It's the most lethal, terrifying humans known to the Imperium of Man against each other. That's right. We're going to have Imperial Assassins, the devastators that they are, versus Chaos Knights. It's <laughs> <As> the <laughs> ultimate end-all, be-all of pure power in Kill Team scale. Clashing on a battlefield reminiscent of the Gladiatorial Thunderdome. You heard it. That's right. We're going to be in a Big old Coliseum. There's going to be fans. You can kill the fans. Don't worry about it. We'll get to those rules specifically. There will also be plenty of traps on the ground. There'll be lions. Uh, there's going to be plants, because who doesn't love plants? Foliage makes everything nicer. Uh, and what we're going to see 
is three Imperial Assassins taking on however many Chaos Knights your opponent can physically afford. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going to be any sort of balanced? Well, you may think, oh, this is unbalanced. But you have to remember, they probably took out a loan on their house to get these Chaos Knights. So you're mm. probably ahead in life in balance. Mm. <laughs> fair. That is fair. Now, I'm very interested in how you can kill fans and lion models. Ah, that is a great question. So, as we know, Kill Team is based on an AP system. And for one AP, you can kill the booers. Uh, and what this does <laughs> is, instead of fighting your opponent, you can immediately take your models into the stands and go on a full one-minute, 100-dice roll where you just slaughter humans left to right. <laughs> All right. I could like that. I can dig that. Once you reach 100 dice, you have to get back to the board. Hmm. It's just also a narrative styled box because they're so they've been so balanced well, so far. It's it's fan service, right? So how could it not be narrative? It's every gamer's power trip. Have you ever seen a person just get way carried away with their roles and how strong their lore is or their homebrew chapters? This is for them. These players will be able to spit a full hour on the lore of their teams and how strong they are and how unbeatable they are. This box is meant for these players. So how does a Vindicare uh, assassin kill a Chaos Knight? Very elegantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the assassins, the order of assassins, they've been known all over to do all sorts of crazy things. Uh, most of them will just shoot it, you know, uh, and that's one way to kill it. The bullets always work. I don't think the Imperial Man has ever solved this problem where, you know, bullets don't work. And if they don't work, then we just make them psychic bullets and they work again. So anything that these assassins can come up with in their giant arsenal of 100 equipment pieces, they can utilize to take down the Chaos Knights. Okay. Interesting, right. interesting. Mm -hmm. Quite the power fantasy. And but why so, not Ultramarines? Uh, some are in the, fan, in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> so <K> <laughs> That was so the perfect answer. <laughs> So, so chaos knights. Now, what makes them more balanced? Do they only hit on sixes because they they aim at so so badly? Like, I'm struggling to see how how balanced this team would be, or do we just have like Colts 2.0 all over so again? So the the thing about it is, this is a normal sized arena with a full on chaos knight in it, maybe more. Okay. Uh, so they're really going to be struggling. The more Chaos Knights you bring to the board, the clunkier their movement will be, and there's greater mm. chances for them to actually just destroy themselves. Mm. Um, meanwhile, the Assassins are running around recklessly, you know, just taking these things down left and right. Uh, so if your opponent wants to get greedy and take out a loan on their house to put more Knights on the table, they may pay for it by not having room. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Okay. All right. Um, is there any special rules that you would like to highlight for this? Uh, do, do the fans, um, and do the fan, do you get models for the fans and do the fans get to attack any of the, uh, operatives inside the arena? Yes. Um, you do get models for the fans. However, to fully complete the set, you need to buy at least 20 boxes, 20 um, boxes. to have a full scale arena. 20. Um, Sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. Fair. That way you get the full immersion um, and you can then proceed to slaughter those fans to your heart's content. 
Now those fans can be, you know, any sort of model that we throw in there. What we actually do is we go in the back rooms in the storehouse and we just, any models that are extra, we just package in those boxes. So it's kind of <laughs> like a random variety pack of who's in the stands. Ah, gotchas. I like the introduction of gotchas. Now mm-hmm. you can also throw them as in any classic fighting game, their weapons as well. So if there's anything that you can physically throw with your models at the Titans, you'll be able to throw it. Mm. Now, I would assume that there are very specific uh, hidden hard-to-get models in order to sell more of this box, because how do you sell such an expensive box? Because Chaos Knights are so expensive. How is this going to be be profitable for Games Workshop? There is one trebuchet in one of the boxes that we print. Okay. Uh, and you can use the trebuchet to destroy a, a Chaos Knight. Now, is this, the, is this the old metal trebuchet from uh, Warhammer Fantasy? Uh, this is just a classic wooden trebuchet. Um, there's nothing crazy about it because we want it to be so simple that it's incredibly unique. Mm. Wow! Mm. Now, 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 you said you. <laughs> now, can if bring you said there was a primary right? lieutenant, you know, I mean, now there could be, depending <laughs> on how many get printed in the future from our previous box sets that are successful. Um, there may be an excess of edible or non-edible primaries. <laughs> <lieutenant from America. laughs> Okay, fair. Okay, fair. Um, G, do you want to vote, my friend? I do. I do. And I, my, this one, this one seems like a no brainer. If you've got the pay to win money, you take the knights and you build up that board so your opponent has nowhere to go. Of course, of course, G picks the knights. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the butthole. I don't like, there's nothing much more that I like fighting the butt crack of, of the dark, <laughs> the near dark future with uh bean wielding grots versus, uh, versus and the brown gobbo and the brown gobbo the, see the red gobbo he needs, I think in lore, I've thought this for a very long time that the, the, the red gobbo specifically needs an anti-hero villain to, to challenge his throne. So I'm a big fan. Um, moving on to the final, uh, the final two teams, uh, so far there's been a lot of great teams pitched to us. G, um, do you have any front runners right now before we hear the final two teams? Yes. Um, and we, we have vanguards, raveners versus vanguard vets, uh, the adeptus wackus wackius. We have kill team space Hulk, five terminators versus 12, tau breachers. We have um, Kill Team Primaris, which is um, the Primaris uh, Lieutenants versus the Finecast Warp Spiders. And then we have uh, Kill Team Maternitus, the Primaris Lieutenants versus the Chaos Space Marines, easily destroyed, by the way. And then we mm-hmm. fi- finally got um, Kill Team Dirty Jobs, another great show. Um, Grotz versus Nerglings. And finally, uh, Kill Team, was it Coliseum? I didn't write it down. Um, Adeptus Assassins versus the uh, Imperial Assassins versus Chaos Knights. Hmm. Front runners in these great choices. Well, you know, there's nothing I love more than having another player 
Tell me exactly why their team is superior to everything else. Never before <laughs> have I been tired of this trope. So I still think the power fantasy and, you know, the concept of thinking you'd have enough money to be able to do this is already a fantasy. So I think I think that box has the front running for me. <laughs> for me, I'm I'm hard stuck in in the realm of the Primaris lieutenants versus the uh, the fine cast warp spiders in the Imperial City ruins. Um, so we're going to see if we can get upset in this next round. Uh, who, which one of you want to go first? Good guys, good sirs. Uh, I, I think, think I go uh, first, right? Okay. Yep. All right. Truly incredible stuff today. Absolutely incredible fantastical stuff so far oh no we've invested in everything so far g now we have to see will we find something we can unanimously agree on in this final round we will have to see oh no (laughs) and then the other question is do we allow ties if a tie happens (laughs) because because the 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 stereotypical trope is are ties allowed? We've talked about that many times on this podcast before and other TOs see it differently. All right. So this is our last pitch and hopefully our most successful venture yet Mm -hmm. uh, because it will combine a lot of new fans together that before hated each other. Oh, Uh, we'll finally be able to end the age old question of certain things like can Yellowman beat X can Bill can Big E defeat Goku? We'll find out in this box. <laughs> Kill Team Crisis. Kill Team Crisis. Kill Team yeah, Crisis. This is the genre redefining crossover box. That's right. You heard it. Crossover. Crossover Everybody's box. Word. Amazing. It's going to bring never before team, uh, never never before seen teams into the light. And it doesn't just battle each other. Oh, no. It battles universes. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. Right. Representing Warhammer's absolute finest warriors are the Tau Empire crisis suits. <laughs> <laughs> Tau Empire crisis suits. I'm going to read this one directly as is. That allows weebs the power fantasy they've always wanted. Crisis suits come in teams of three with 18 wounds and multiple ranged actions. With four APL and the ability to shoot many times with powerful, precise weapons, the crisis suits are a threat. Now, some might say they're Gundams. Don't say those words. We'll get sued. Uh, Meddling them are the all-stars of the Marvel Universe. That's right. Everyone loves them. The Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Man, the Hulk, and Black Widow. The Avengers are fast, lethal, and bring superhero feats to kill team. No more fitting battlefield than an entirely new close confines board. A Comic-Con theme, complete with <laughs> pop-up stands for all sorts of fun sci-fi genres. <laughs> you may be asking, Marvel Universe, I'm not a big MCP fan. That's okay. We're going to le- release a lot more expansions. It's going to be a subscription base. So you pay monthly and you get a new team from a new universe. You want to fight against Goku? He's coming in mail in December. The possibilities are endless with this box. We'll I mean, finally put to bed who can beat who. I mean, you've already, I think you've already got me. You said Goku. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, how many models are in this Tau Empire 
weeb power fantasy team. So they are crisis suits. Yes. So what we're going to give you is 10 crisis suits. We are only allowed to play five at any given time. Five. Okay. Yes. We're going to, we're going to up the ante here a little bit. And the reason we're doing that is because these five crisis suits are going to have so much gear on them. You will need a book for each model. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Complete with lore, backstory and house of origin. So, um, in your included, um, lore crossovers does BattleTech also exist in the lore crossover if they say yes to our corporate merger <laughs> <laughs> so far we have mcp and world of tanks finally <laughs> never before have they advertised for warhammer the, like in the likes like this so i have a hard time thinking that black widow would survive a wink of existence in the 41st millennium what are her special rules specifically all right so you know that cool like um martial arts move where she uh grabs the people with their legs by the head and like spins around like a tornado and throws them out a window yes uh-huh. that's what she does um weight isn't comparative here because the timelines are merging um so she's as strong and as weak as anything else uh, meaning she can infinitely tornado crisis suits out of buildings. <laughs> wow. That is actually impressive. Cause I was just about to ask how the fuck would she do that to a crisis suit? <laughs> it sounds like they've given her a really big power buff. <laughs> so um, what about the, the Hulk's rules specifically? How is a, uh, how is he? Um, what are his specific rules? Uh, so the more drones you put on the board, the angrier he is, much like a common, you know, GW player, anybody who plays against Tau. So for every drone on the board, he just goes up a power scale to the point where he can one shot things if there's enough Tau drones on the board. Fair. Okay. All right. And uh, I, I do, I do appreciate how this also works against Pathfinders. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, um, Iron Man, how about Iron Man? So Iron Man will um, be in a constant laser battle between one of the crisis suits. Um, you're, he's going to be your endgame event. One of them will win, but each each turn and each activation, you have to roll to see where the laser goes a little push forward in either player's direction. This Ooh. is actually your timeline for the battle. Okay. All right. I like so, that. A little reminiscent of Shatterpoint here. Um, now... I have to ask. I have to. I have to see the the rules for Goku. I have to know what they are. I can't wait. Uh, you would like that too, but uh, you only get those if you pay for the subscription and invest. I have already paid for the subscription. I logged <laughs> onto my computer and I bought the subscription. So tell me what the fucking rules are. <laughs> uh, we can disclose it to you in an NDA, um, where if you mention the word Goku, we will sue you for. <laughs> Got it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, fair, fair. Okay, so um, Tau Crisis Battle Suits. Um, once again, I hate Tau, but uh, Gundam I like. So, all right. Um, and then again, we got again. We're we're legally not allowed to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, uh, Japanese anime power suit i like um <laughs> uh, versus american man power suit also fan all right 
All right. So I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm down with this team. I'm down with this box so far. I like kill team crisis. I'm big fan. Moving on to, to Chris. Um, what do you got to beat this team? My friend. <laughs> I just hear giggling in the background. <laughs> Watch. It's just Leviathan. <laughs> no. Games Workshop is all about capitalizing on the hype of only the most modern cinematic masterpieces and what more just prototypical um not just a movie but an event of the last two decades is sharknado that's right (laughs) bringing you kill team sharknado this is the elite versus the horde but we're all about uh the the vicious and terrifying sharks kill team sharknado features the loyalist space marine space sharks, which are super cool and definitely don't put shark in the name of every single thing that they do. Um, <laughs> versus, and and this is approximate because we're still finalizing the figures, but roughly 200 actual sharks on the other side of the board. Um, <laughs> so now this is where things get tricky because we've actually been playing with the balance of it for some time, and and some of the some of the play testing so still going on. Um, we are finding that the sharks are sometimes eating the miniatures, which makes things difficult. Um, and sometimes they actually also reading the playtesters. Um, so we've actually so these are actual them. sharks. Yes, I, I, these these are actual sharks. Do do, um, do you send them out in like? Do you send them out like in a in like a, a package that people have to hatch themselves? Yes, yes, correct. Okay. So so right. the the terrain in the box. Uh, so this is a rather large box. Um, but but inside the box is an inflatable uh, kiddie pool and um, some not marked up a GW official sand, only the highest quality sand. Um, now, you do uh, have to buy the, the water as a separate add-on, um, but the sharks are free, um, provided that you can provide them enough food to feed them. Okay. Wow. I, I'm a really big fan of that, too. Um, who hasn't want to put their, their, their space Marines into, uh, into like water and play like they were action figures. Now, <laughs> space sharks are really cool. They are. They are really cool. <laughs> I like the red wake quite a lot. Um, so, um, what are these, the loyalist space Marine, uh, sharks? What is their uh, typical rule set and how do they defeat these uh these live sharks so uh the the space sharks have special rules where they they go faster in water right that's that's their uh their primary advantage and the really good thing is uh this box really heavily features this water terrain Mm, um the new water world stuff yes the water world stuff is Uh is very heavily featured in this box so this the space sharks um have an advantage there um and then uh they also are made of a um special material um, that responds to blood. And so uh, if there is blood in the water, their special rule kicks in um, where the miniatures uh, physically increase in size. They sort of inflate uh, when they respond to blood. Um, and then you use a separate data card for the uh, blood inflated version of the space shark. So, oh. is, so is this the same type of material that you get like those little, those little kid dinosaurs and you just throw it in the water and they just expand? Correct. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and now the, the 200 sharks, the eggs now is, is the actual physical attrition of, of the team, just how hard sharks are typically to actually raise. Um, well, so 
the the idea behind the sharks is we, we've actually pottered, uh, partnered with some wildlife conservation groups. And um, the, sort of the feedback we've been getting is that sourcing the food for these sharks has, has been a real challenge. So um, as corporate out, outreach and, um, you know, fundraising efforts and, you know, wildlife conservation efforts, um, Games Workshop is pioneering our first ever, um, you know, swim with the sharks program, um, which, is, <laughs> which, is, which is basically our way of, of giving back to these sharks, these, these wonderful sharks, um, by providing them a, a food source um, that is something that they respond really well to. Um, and we found that um, they seem to really, really like the taste of kill team players. <laughs> I thought you were going to say children. <laughs> no, that, that's uh, that's for fans of Kill Team Eternatus. Yeah, yeah they're not right. there yet. Okay, they're still growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, <clears throat> so, how does this NATO uh, spawn, and how does it affect the gameplay? Well, so the, the the great thing about the Shark NATO is neither player can really predict when it will happen um, because it really depends on when the helicopter gets there. Um, and that could be really at any time of day. It, it doesn't even matter if you're playing Kill Team or even if you have even heard of Kill Team. Um, we have had a few incidents where the helicopter pilot hasn't identified the right house. We're still working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so occasionally we have airdropped a great number of sharks uh, where they weren't previously expected. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, what, that's what really keeps gameplay uh, fresh and interesting. Okay. I, I, I'm, I, can, I can see... I can see the appeal of this box, especially to those who are uh, concerned with uh, the ocean life and um, bringing them more inland because, you know, there's so much plastic in the ocean. We can definitely care for them better. Yes, um, yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, no, who better to take care of the sharks than the company that puts plastic in the oceans, right? That is true. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's that's Kill Team Sharknado. Bean. Okay. All right, G. So, um... I'm not gonna lie. I think I have to give this to the Avengers, just because of the subscription service. And I'm a I'm a simp for for su- subscription services. I'm I'm actually a hundred percent agreeing with you, but I have to add one more thing. I wanted to choose the sharks in all my heart, <laughs> but I don't want to have to deal with PETA. <laughs> if I have to put steak into this box set, they're going to be asking questions about those sharks, mm. whether they're in the right, and they usually aren't. Um, well, you, just, you just have them play the space sharks and your problem will get solved. <laughs> I, I can't risk it. I got to go with the crisis suits of the Avengers. Uh, all right. <laughs> For political reasons, G has chosen the, the side of greatness uh, <laughs> and, and Goku's. Um, I mean, I mean, anime power heroes. Um, okay. So I think the winner of this round goes to Orion and Baki just because Chris made the team up and Orion pitched it. So congratulations to the two of you. Oh, thank you. That was so fun. That was a great time. I was not intending... I was not intending for you to go actual live sharks. I was like plastic sharks. Well, well you said like 200 actual sharks. Yeah, like just so. actual model sharks. I, I like where this went. This was pretty good. Yeah. I left mine pretty open-ended because I figured he'd just run with them. Um, but Ibaki left me like a hyper-detailed essay on most of them. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm uh, uh this was a uh, this was excellent fun and I hope our listeners also enjoyed as much as we uh did uh playing this um Shark Tank Sharknado uh game and look forward to hearing your guys's um fantastic uh teams uh on the Discord uh here as well. Um but yeah, is there anything anyone wants to shout out? for the uh for the rest of the and while we end this episode please go usa we're about to we're about to compete against all the other countries absolutely USA players gotta stick together and bring it home again absolutely yeah, and, uh, and any of you who follow along with the world finals in atlanta uh do not hold back with uh any and all uh uh, patriotic memes you may have available uh really just <laughs> spam the spam the discord <laughs> with them yes yeah, really, them. really yeah, go really. for it Nobody could ever regret, you know, all of that <laughs> shit posting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to uh, America coming through one more time and uh, and bringing home the the gold. The, the, the gold, maybe. Um, I mean, uh, we don't officially know. Yeah, the retributor armor. I don't know. Yeah, um, the retributor armor. There we go. We're gonna bring uh, home primaries, lieutenants. That would be. <laughs> hilarious I'm not gonna Perfect. lie <laughs> no yeah i'm looking forward to seeing the tournament results and stuff like that and most of the large events now have concluded i think there is uh chris yours we're trying to make it as big as possible uh we have one more in uh up in portland with the uh cascadia running another one and then and then there's just LVO after uh, this is, of course, all of these happen after the most, uh, the upcoming, uh, world championship finals, the Yusuf, as we deemed in the last, uh, the last podcast, <laughs> us <laughs> invitational finals slash world championships. So that would be Yusuf. Wook. Um, yeah, that's exciting. And I'm, uh, l- wish every player, no matter where they come from, uh, to have fun and enjoy Kill Team while they are there. So, it's good wishes. Mm-hmm. 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 I agree. Yeah. Well, I got to do my spiel real quick. So, as everyone here has heard once or twice, we are affiliated with Frontline Gaming. So, if you're in the market for new box sets, secondhand models, or attending FLG events, consider using the link in the description. Any purchase you make gives us a kickback, which is always helpful, and we really appreciate it because we get to do more things like this and bring entertainment with a bunch of great people out in the Kilding community and in the wargaming community in general. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you want to step up your hobby game, we're also affiliated with Goblin's Hut. So, you can buy any of their cool little things out there. I especially recommend the Dirty Down, it's an awesome, awesome tool. And if you're doing so, use our code SQUAD10 at checkout. That S-Q-U-A-D-1-0 at checkout. Again, SQUAD10 at checkout. And lastly, if you want to support us in a more personal way, you can support us through Patreon. Patreon members get a bunch of little things in our Discord, get some bonus stuff that happens every now and then, and of course just helps us grow uh, what we do here. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you know, find us on the Discord. We're on there. Uh, I'd like to do one last shout out, and that would be if you see Kill Team Crisis out there, since we both chose that one, we get 50% of all proceeds. So make sure you buy it 
and and help out the Squad Games podcast. <laughs> 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 The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad games.